0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the <laughs> Board, our horror podcast where we watch a randomly sector horror movie every week. You sound like you're drunk. I'm Bob. No, I have oil ball in my mouth. You fuck. <laughs> Bob's got balls in his mouth. And oh I'm god, ben. damn it! No, I got one ball in my mouth. Oh, yeah, you would have one ball in your mouth. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm Ben. Uh, I'm the the hostess with the mostest, and not a single ball in his mouth. And uh, this is Beware the Board. The podcast where we check out a new randomly selected horror movie every week. We're back, guys. We're back, baby. You, if you listen to our extras, we just did Hatchet on. I love that movie. Wednesday, Tuesday, Mardi Gras, whatever day Mardi Gras happens. So check that out if you haven't. I know I just spoiled the movie for anyone who hasn't looked, but it's a lot of fun. A lot lot of fun uh, if you like that genre. So anything new with you, Bob? Um, let me think. Except your penchant for chocolate salty balls. They're not that salty. Wow. They are chocolate in balls, though. Uh, let me think. I was more referencing that South Park episode. Oh, Come on. Yeah. No, not really. Um, our D&D game came back this week. That was fun. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. I did the same thing I do every week. Work in school, <laughs> and then Dude, you're gonna sleep. <laughs> you're going to die. School's kicking your ass, bro. School always kicks my ass. Yeah, why do you think I quit? I only have, like, if I do summer classes, maybe one semester. <laughs> See, I had way too many semesters for me to want to go keep going. Because I only have, like... 12 classes I have left to take. Oh, really? Like that. Yeah. That's actually not so bad. But I don't take a lot of classes. I take three or four a semester. Because well, yeah, because doing our job, you couldn't. We technically work part-time. We, we work full-time. 40 hours a week at least, usually. Yeah, if not more. The only reason it's part-time is because we're not guaranteed 40 hours. Yeah, but our job, the what we do specifically, we have to be there. Like It's kind of whack, but you know what? The overtime is incredible, so I'm not going to bitch. Mm-hmm. But... <sighs> I guess are, are you ready? I, I don't really have anything else to say, yeah, this is kind of a kind of a slow week in terms of uh interesting outside of podcast stories yeah, we got some more uh concept art though oh yeah, we did the co- we talked about coloring yeah, the last time we talked now. to Shane about yeah, we were talking about like what color palettes I think it'll look really cool when we're done with the stuff we've seen. I'm so excited to like show it off. It's oh be so cool okay. anyway, well, we have three spots left. I know I'm dude, we're coming up on the end of the board spot number two in pseudo documentaries and then okay. spot one and three in parasites parasites. Bob yeah which one Okay so one and three right? yeah one one are you sure? Uh-huh positive? Yeah. <clears throat> what are you watching Benjamin today we're gonna be watching Dreamcatcher. Oh what is this? I've never heard of this ready for the description? Sure. It's a classic Stephen King horror story about four childhood friends going on a hunting trip. Oh, shit. This is Stephen King? Yep. I didn't know that. That's cool. This is also the book I read. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so that's fun. I remember, I was wondering which which spot was going to have the book you were reading. So it's a 2003 film. Okay. It's two hours and 14 minutes long. Awesome. I love a good long (laughs) movie. It's rated R. Okay, that's good. I'm glad it's rated R. Review scores. Okay. IMDb's a 5.5 5 out of 10. Okay. Rotten meter is a 28%. Oh, God. <laughs> An audience score? 35. Dude, people hate this Woo! movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do people hate it so much? I guess we'll find out. Oh, you're going to find out. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So. It has not won any awards, but it has received five nominations. Okay, at least it got nominated for something. I can get nominated for something. Nominations are worthless, Bob. Listen, man. At least people thought about it, okay? Well, they're not worthless. Depending on what you get nominated for, it can be pretty good. Yeah. A Chainsaw Award to James Newton Howard for Best Score. Okay. A Chainsaw Award for Worst Film. But it was only a nomination, guys. Don't worry. It didn't win. A Golden Schmoes for Biggest Disappointment of the Year. Oh, my God! A Golden Reel Award to Rupert Grieve, Yan Delpyuk, and Wayne Griffin, and Darren King for Best Sound Editing in Domestic Feature, uh, specifically Dialogue and ADR. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Here it is. And finally, a Teen Choice Award for Choice Movie in the Horror Slash st- Oh, my God. It it got nominated for a Teen Choice Award. Hell, yeah. This movie's rated R. What the hell? I know. Teen Choice Award. They should not be watching this. All right. You ready for this cast? Oh, God. Is it star-studded? Yes. Actually? Yes. Hell, yeah. (laughs) Who's in this movie, Ben? Straight up, Morgan Freeman. What? (laughs) Morgan Freeman's in this? This is going to be awesome. As Colonel Abraham Curtis. uh, You might know him as Somerset in 7. Which you haven't seen. I haven't seen, but yeah. You might also know him as God. In- God in most <laughs> things. In literally the movies where he plays God. Yeah. Thomas Jane as Henry. Okay. He plays Carter Blake in Deep Blue Sea. I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea. I can't imagine why. It's a ocean it's a and a shark movie. Yeah, mm, I wonder. Uh, I think that's the main character. Okay. Jason Lee as Beaver. <laughs> Man's name is Beaver. Yeah, right. Beaver. Okay. Uh... You will know this man. He's Dave in Alban and the Chipmunks*. Oh. Up. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, he's also Syndrome in *The Incredibles*. And I do know this guy. Earl Hickey from *My Name Is Earl*. He's the main character. Oh, he's Earl in *My Name Is Earl*. Okay. Yeah. Okay, man. Oh, I don't know that here. guy. Damian Lewis as Jonesy. He also plays Steve McQueen in *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*. And Richard D. Winters from Band of Brothers, which Band of Brothers is super duper 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 good. I've never seen either of those movies, but I've heard they're both quite good. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like... Isn't that the new Quentin Tarantino movie? Uh, it might be Quentin Tarantino. That's the one that's based off like the Manson murder kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Band of Brothers is like, I believe that's directed by Tom Hanks, but it's like about uh, World War Two soldiers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. It's based on real life. Okay. Timothy Oliphant as Pete. Oh, that name is super familiar. Yeah, it should be. He's David in the Crazies. I haven't seen that. I know. It's a remake, too, so. Oh, okay. Tom Sizemore as Owen. I, I know that name, too. Jesus Christ. This movie has so many people I know. It's a star-studded cast. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, he also plays Sergeant Horvath in Saving Private Ryan. I've not seen Saving Private Ryan. I know it's a, like an amazing movie. I've never seen it. And then finally, we got Donnie Wahlberg as Duddits. Whoa, whoa, Donnie Wahlberg? Yeah, Donnie Wahlberg. Is he related to Mark Wahlberg? No, I believe it's his brother. Okay. I can double check. Okay. That's why I was like, oh, my God. It's not Mark, but it's brother Donnie. It's not Marky Mark. Not Marky Mark or the Funky Bunch. It's just Donnie. But I could be wrong. Relatives, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, brother. Okay, cool. His other brothers, Robert Wahlberg. Oh. And then there's Jim Wahlberg and Paul Wahlberg. Oh, my God. Real he's got brothers. a bunch of brothers. Yeah. But, yeah. it's a pretty. That's a pretty solid cast. And uh, Donnie Wahlberg is... Eric Matthews in Saw 2. Oh, okay. It's like the I haven't seen Saw 2, 2, but... Okay. All right. The director is Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, he also directed Silverado in 1985. The writer is... I hate to say this. William Goldman, who is so fucking famous, the fact that he made this movie is bizarre. I don't know the name, but I'm sure... Well, he's a writer, so you, yeah. you aren't expected to. But he wrote The Princess Bride. Okay, that's an amazing movie. I have seen that. And then Loris Keston, the director. Yeah. You know what he also, like, helped write? What? Because he also wrote this movie, too. Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's an awesome movie. So both of these people, great writers. What happened? (laughs) Star-studded cast, amazing writers. People hate this. 30%. We're going to watch this movie, and I'm going to think it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Sure you are, Bob. Oh no. Bob laughed because he looked at my face. Yeah. Um, how do I put this? I understand why it got this rating. Okay. All right. Also, one of those guys think it might have been William Goldman also wrote like um Misery or something. Oh shit. I didn't write it down. Okay. But not Stephen King one. Yeah. Double check that for me someone. Not you Bob. I just meant like. <laughs> I am my phone in the future. my pocket. I don't uh, That may be true, i may not. Putting that out there. Okay. Budget 68 million estimated. Oh my god. Box office Seventy-five point seven million. It, it made more it money did, than it spent. It Made more money than it spent. But not however, a lot. what is it? You're supposed to make like double, double. Yeah, about double. I think is what to it have is. paid it off. Mm-hmm. They did not do that. Country of origin: United States and Canada. Okay. Also known as, uh, this is the Argentina name: El Cazador de Sueños, which is roughly translates to the Dream Hunter. Okay. Because I'll be honest, Dreamcatcher doesn't really. Translate well into other languages. Yeah, it's a, I, it, I guess that's sort of like a Native American thing. Yeah, but it's like a very English mm-hmm. word for something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and when you're translating that, literally, dream catcher, dream hunter. Tagline. You ready for this? Sure. Kind of long. Four friends hung a dream catcher in their cabin. It's about to catch something. It cannot stop. That's interesting. All right. All right. <laughs> I have pages of, like, I have so many post-movie discussion points and so many book comparison notes. And I'm only going to be talking about, like, the first half of the book. Really? Yeah, because spoilers, you know? Yeah. Even though we're watching the movie, they're pretty good. Mega spoilers, okay. My one fact. (laughs) A single fact. Dream Capture was filmed around Prince George, British Columbia for seven weeks starting in January 2002. Further shooting was done in Vancouver for ten weeks. Okay. That's all you get. All right. That's all you get. That's it. I'm done. Damn. We're going to okay. watch this movie. Oh, damn. Hopefully you don't just want to gouge your eyes out with a spoon. So We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. We'll see you in a bit. Get Bye. There. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Dreamcatcher. Yeah. I think, you know, before we get to the no spoiler section, as yeah. we always do, I need to like do my whole disclaimer here of I've read the book for this, right? Yep. So, I have a very different perspective going into this movie than Bob does. So, I'm go I'll I'll do the whole describe the movie thing like I normally do. Yeah, sure. But I'm mostly going to let you handle a lot of the talking until we get to the book comparison parts. Sure. So I can get like kind of your opinion on stuff mm-hmm. before I like add more information. I do have some questions for you, though. But, I um, want to answer your questions, and I'm really curious what the book changed. Well, what the movie changed. What the movie, yeah, what's the what's different? The, the book came first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this movie reeks of Stephen King. I said it. It's <sighs> weird. I mean, like, I don't know how familiar you, you are with Stephen King. I, don't I mean, think... I've read Salem's Lot. Okay. I've seen both its, I started The Stand but didn't finish it. By both its, it. you mean the new movies, right? The new movies. I've seen the miniseries. both versions. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, And I also read quite a bit of his, uh, I don't think it's an autobiography, but a book about him in one of His On Writing. Yeah, On Writing. I read most of it. Very, very good. Very good, yeah. So the two new It movies, On Writing and Salem Slot? Yeah. Okay. So not super familiar. Not super familiar, but like I have a basis. You know what I mean? Tiny basis. Yeah. Basically, the smallest basis because you have an adaptation of something. Yeah. Which is fairly removed, obviously. Mm-hmm. But basically, you got one Stephen King story and then kind of like some general knowledge about his life. Because yeah. the on writing, he, he shares stories about himself, mm-hmm. um, like some of the problems he's gone through. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, yeah, very it's good. very good. It's a good uh, thing if you want to be a writer. But since we're in the no spoiler section, what do you want to give me? Not what I expected, like at all. What were you expecting? Well, so. Like just hearing the name and knowing that like, this is a parasite movie, it I guess it delivered on the parasite aspect. Okay, of the parasite movie, I thought it was going to be a lot scarier just based on like the premise. But yeah, I mean I don't know. It just it was it takes some twists and turns and kind of becomes a different movie than I was really expecting from all from the name and also the description you gave me. Fair enough. Okay. Do you have anything you want to say? Kind of. Uh, I can see why people give it a little score. Yeah, but I, but I don't know if I completely agree with the score. That it got, if that makes sense. You don't think it was what, like a thirty percent? No, it's not that bad. Okay, I don't think it's that bad at all. It's weird for sure, but it's not that bad. Fair enough. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. For no spoilers else? No. I, Everything else I want to talk about is spoilery. Do you think people should go watch it? If you want a long movie, sure. It's long. It's very long. Two hours and fourteen minutes. So here's my. Here's what I was gonna say. This I feel like this would hundred percent like would do so much better as a show with how do you? F- effing long it is. Yeah. I feel like if we, if I had spent more time with each individual character and they did more, sh- more things, basically, if they had more time to tell this story over episodes, it, I think it would have been a lot better. Now, do you think it should have been like a TV show or a mini series? Good question. I don't know. Maybe something with like hour-long episodes. You know what I mean? But how many? Because that's more like a mini series format. Probably ten. Then that's a TV show. Yeah. Because the mini series is usually like two to the four. No, I think this would benefit from like a ten episode run of like an hour long episode apiece. Okay, fair enough. I think that would work because I feel like it's the pacing is pretty dog dog shit. It's pretty bad. In what way? Because I know like we were watching it and you turned over to our um our timer for the recording. You're like, wait, it's been forty minutes. You're like, it's flying. I feel like it's there are some parts that are too fast. Then there are some parts that are too slow. Okay. And then there are some parts where it's like, is there, is there a time skip here? What the fuck is going on? It's just really poorly like plotted out I guess but I don't know if that's because of the way the book is or if that's a movie thing I assume it's a movie thing because it feels like a movie thing because okay. the, I don't know how long the book is how, how long do you know can you tell me how long it is off the top of your head Uh, almost 900 pages yeah so they did 900 pages in 2 hours and 15 minutes that's a lot to pack into 2 hours and 15 minutes for a movie it can be done but yeah it can be done it, But it, you're I, right it is a lot to pack it's in it's a lot to pack in so I feel like you know I mean fair enough that's a decent enough point yeah Um. anything else you want to add before we get to the spoilers nope Sorry I'm not contributing here, but... No, I yeah, I get it. You don't want to spoil... You don't want to soil the... Uh, I don't want to soil your kind of straight-out-the-gate ideas. Mm-hmm. But let me go to, I guess, roughly what happens here. Yeah. And this movie, like I'd say, kind of batshit, so it's it's it going to be hard to kind of break down. Gets off the rails fast. Uh, but basically, this, the movie opens with basically quick like clips out of four different dudes' lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete... Henry, Beaver, Beaver, and Jones, who they call Jonesy. I think his full name's Greg Jones. But Gary. Is it Gary Jones? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jonesy. And each one, what would you describe as interesting about them, Bob? I mean, I picked up on it instantly. They seem to have some sort of, I would almost say supernatural, preternatural, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it preternatural? Preternatural? Yeah. Some sort of weird thing going on with them where they can like, they know things they shouldn't. Okay. Almost in a clairvoyant way. You know what I mean? So you think they're like clairvoyant? Yeah. So like seeing the future? Kind of. Okay. Well, that's what clairvoyance is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm going to ask here is, what did you think about that opening? Because it opens immediately on Henry in like his therapy office writing stuff. And then he's like, he turns to his patient. is like, do you think you killed your mom? Yep. I think it's. I think it's interesting because we don't get an answer to the question of why they can do the things they do until much later. Uh-huh. And I think giving us that seed at the beginning gives us a insight into what they use this ability for, which is interesting and gives us characterization. And B, it also gives us insight into what kind of people they are because of what types of jobs they have. It basically it allows us to get a grasp of who we're about to see for the rest of the movie, right? So you liked all that. I stuff. liked it. Okay, you I thought enjoyed it was a it. decent intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So once it establishes each of the characters, Uh, The last thing it establishes is it shows uh, Jonesy Mm -hmm. walking out and getting hit by a car. Yeah, getting annihilated by a car. All of a sudden. I think I literally said, oh my god, is he dead already? (laughs) <laughs> he looks dead. He definitely looks um, dead. It's very jarring. It's super jarring. I'll say, like, he walks into the street. He gets past a couple of cars, and then one slams him out of destroys nowhere, destroys him. It is a good car crash. It's a real good like, one. Like as far as movies go, this is a good car crash scene mm-hmm. of someone getting hit by a car because he ragdolls, and you get to see it, and then he's laying on the ground, kind of twitching, mm-hmm. and then it cuts right from that to six months later. Yep. And they're in this um, cabin in the woods. Uh, it's a hunting cabin. They're hanging out. And I think it cuts immediately after the, to them separated, right? Because two of them have gone to the local store, that's, uh Well, we spend a little bit of time with them in the cabin. We do. But, like, with them, like, shooting the shit and talking to each other yeah, and hanging out Yeah, it's kind of some character stuff. But, yeah. Immediately nice. after that, it cuts to, like, the next day or something. Yeah, two and of them are at the store. It's Pete. It's Pete and Henry. And Henry, and then? Then Beaver and Jonesy are out hunting. Hunting. Looking for, uh, probably, looking for hunting deer, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Pete and Henry start driving back. Mm-hmm. But while they're driving back, Jonesy sees a deer. And he's about to shoot it. And he's about to shoot it. And then it turns out it's not a deer. It's a guy. Yep. what do you think about that, Bob? <laughs> I thought so. Can I, so at this point in the film, all we have set up is that they're at a cabin in the woods. Yeah. I thought we were going to spend the whole movie here. Mm-hmm. Like I thought this was going to be like this was it. This was the movie. Like it, four like dudes a cabin in, the woods, in the woods. Cabin yeah. in the woods. Yeah. Rick. The guy's name is Rick McCarthy. Menace to society. I've already decided. McCarthy. Yeah. How how come? This man, jo- Henry, walks up and is like, "Oh, let me take you back to the cabin." Like or not, Henry. Well, or he run- McCarthy yeah. runs up to the cabin. Yeah. And Jones starts. He's in a blind. Like, mm-hmm. up in a tree, and he, he has to get down. and You can see he's struggling. He has, like, a limp throughout the whole movie. because he uh, got hit by a car. Yeah. His hip's fucked up. His hip's fucked up. But he starts waddling after McCarthy, and he helps him inside. Yeah. Trying the, to help him, you know, because yeah. McCarthy's like, I've been lost in the woods since last night. hmm Oh, God. And uh, basically, you know, Jonesy gets him settled in the house, and Beaver eventually walks in. Yeah. Bob, anything weird that happens the in whole, the house? The whole time McCarthy's been in this house, he's been belching and farting, and the dudes are like, oh, this fucking stink. Like, it smells yeah. bad. Jonesy notices that when McCarthy first comes in the house, his chest is really bloated and big. By the time Beaver gets there, the bloat has moved to his stomach. And Beaver's like, listen, it's probably nothing. And Jones- and <laughs> McCarthy's like, oh, no, I found some berries in the woods last night and ate them, and I'm having an allergic reaction. He has, like, red marks on his face and stuff. So, like, yeah. oh, must be fine. He must be just, like, wow. having some sort of allergic reaction. I don't know if you saw... Jonesy in the background, he was like, <laughs> mm, Yeah, yeah they were to his face. They're like trying to treat him nicely, uh-huh. so they take him upstairs and they put him in bed. Like, you know what, get some rest. I'm sure he'll be fine in the morning. <sighs> As they're leaving the room, what do you see, Bob? Whatever is in his stomach is moving and writhing and being gross. Yeah, that's Ugh. oh, that's oh, god, sorry, um, it's really gross. I can't stand it. And so, roughly at this point. It yep. cuts back to Henry and Peter driving down the road. Yep. Just talking. Pete's drinking a beer in the car. <laughs> yeah, Pete's drinking a beer, and we get the learn that Henry's kind of upset right now because the patient that he essentially ran out of his office for, like, confronting him about killing his mom. Yeah. Through neglect, not actually killing her, he found killed himself a couple days ago, so he's mm-hmm. down in the dumps. But he's distraught about it because he feels he's at fault for what happened. Well, they're driving down this like really snowy road, and it, it's getting worse because it's starting to snow mm-hmm. right now. They see something in the middle of the road, and it's a person. And so they swerve out of the way. The car flips. Cool, Another cool car stunt. It's a cool car stunt. It's like a real car. Uh, It flips. They're mostly okay from this. Yeah. uh, uh, Pete says his leg's locked up, but other than that... Then he's fine. Yeah, he can walk on it. He just has a limp now. Yeah, barely. Yeah, I guess he just, like, sprained it or something in the crash. And Henry seems... Henry is mostly okay. Completely fine. Yeah, not super injured. Uh, But they walk over to the lady, and instead of being frozen to death, like they think... Cause she's just sitting in the road. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, she's she's about alive. Waist deep in snow. Oh yeah, she's deep, deep. But mm-hmm. she's alive. She grabs uh, Pete's leg as he's screaming at her. Yeah, calling her like a dumbass. Because she's in the middle of the road and causes them to crash their car. And basically, what happens is Henry decides to go find help. Find help. And he leaves Pete and this woman. You know where? Did you see where he leaves them? Oh God, no, actually, no. It's By this lean-to thing. Yeah, it's just like on a, by a, they start like a fire. And they start a fire there, yeah. Yeah. Which comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Basically. No. And <laughs> I think it's very funny. The one thing Henry tells Pete not to do is go back to the car for the beers. Yeah, he's like, don't go back to the car for beer. You can barely walk. Yeah. But then Henry starts, you know, sludging his way back to the, the house. Trying to find help and get yeah. it. And this is when we jump back to Jonesy and Beaver. Jonesy and Beaver. Basically, while they've been in the house, they notice something interesting happening outside. Yep. Which is a bunch of animals are running past. All different types, like bears, deer, chipmunks. And none of them are, like... They're not interacting with each other. They're just running away mm-hmm. from something. And what is special about some of these animals? Uh, They're, like, covered in red stuff. Some of them are, yeah. Yeah, some of them have, like, red, like, dust or something on them. It's kind of similar to the stuff that's on McCarthy's face. Yeah, Jonesy notes that. Yep. And... So they go outside. They go outside. looking at the animals as they're driving by. And while they're outside, they see a helicopter. And they're like, oh, shit, let's flag him down and get some help for this sick guy in our house. And <laughs> when they flag on the guy, he just pulls out like a bullhorn, and he's like, hey, this is a quarantine zone. It'll oh, be resolved in 24 to 48 hours. Stay where you are. Yep. And then they fly away. And eventually, it's, I think, a while later. Can, can, we, can I say oh, this? Oh, do you want to add this? Uh, first shot of Morgan Freeman in a, in a helicopter driving by. Just wanted to Beaver note that this is where we see him. Beaver ducks flip him off very funny. Uh, but then they fly away, and I think it's a while later, like a couple hours or something. Yeah. I think there's a time skip because it looks Dark darker. Outside. Yeah. Like they go back inside and they look around, and there's blood on the floor. Mm hmm. Like a trailer. Maybe of there, blood. there isn't a time skip, but they go back inside, and there's it's, blood. I don't on think the it's floor. a time skip. But I think the sun was setting while they were going outside, yeah. so it looks darker in the house when they come back in. There's blood on the floor, and they follow it into the bedroom they put McCarthy down in. And he's not there. There's blood on the bed. Blood everywhere. And the blood trail leads into the bathroom. They knock on the door. And McCarthy's like, I'm fine. I just need to make some room. Yeah, j- I'm just, like, taking a dump. That's can a I man have some privacy? Words, I need to make some room. Well, um, then he says, can a man not have some privacy? Yeah, because they're like, dude, we need to get in there. Because obviously he's bleeding. And they're like. Yeah, and he even says, what blood? Which yeah. is very confusing to me. Because they're like, you're bleeding everywhere. And he's like, what blood? Uh, and they break down the door. And what do you see when you get into this bathroom? First um, of all, McCarthy's entire face is red. Yep. There's blood and red stuff everywhere, blood yeah. and red stuff, not just blood, red stuff as well. McCarthy's fucking dead. Yeah, something falls out of his ass because you hear, we hear it, it plink. Plop. And then the funniest thing is Jonesy goes. <laughs> no, Beaver goes. Well, no, Jonesy goes. I think he's dead. And then Beaver goes. No, he just fucking laid a turd. I heard it plink. He's not dead. Can't do that if you're dead. <laughs> so they he falls off the toilet, McCarthy. And yeah. they there's Beaver something goes to touch him to see if he's okay. Yeah, falls off. They see something in the toilet. We are not shown what it is at this point, And Beaver just fucking slams the lid. Uh, I don't think they see it. Beaver goes to look and Josie's like, no, and slams the lid. I-, I thought they saw. I thought they looked in and saw what it was. Nah. Anyway, then Beaver sits on the toilet lid to hold whatever it is in there because it's stumping up and down trying to escape. <laughs> and he flushes it. And he tries to flush it. <laughs> I really like you. But you went, they're dumbasses. Why aren't they flushing it? And Beaver goes, "Boop." <laughs> yep. I thought it was very funny. You were jumping with the gun there. And then, then Jonesy's like, "All right, I'll go get some fucking duct tape out in the shed. We gotta tup- tape this shut." That's we- not what happens. Beaver pulls out. He's flushed it and he's cocky because he thinks it's gone. And he pulls out these toothpicks because we see him the whole movie chewing on toothpicks. Yeah. He goes to pull one out, and right as he's like pulling one out, the thing hits the bottom of the thing, mm-hmm. like the seat he's sitting on. Yeah. Which first reveal that he didn't get flushed. His toothpicks fall like all over the floor, and then Jonesy's like, "Okay." I thought that happened after Jonesy left. No, the tooth. I, th- I thought it did. No, the toothpicks are all over the floor. Yeah, and essentially Jonesy's like, "Shit, I'll switch with you, Beaver. You run and go get like some cellophane tape from the yeah from the shed. Beaver's like, "Nah, you go with your hip. You can't. You can't fight this thing if it escapes. Right. Uh, and so, you know. Jonesy runs to the shed, starts looking for the cellophane tape. Uh, takes him a dick year. It takes him a long time because he doesn't know where this stuff is. Yeah. And, you know, while he's in there, Beaver's kind of, like, chilling. He's kind of freaking out halfway through, and but here's hears Jonesy honk the horn. Yep. So know he's still looking. Now, the whole time, the whole time, I that Beaver's sitting on the toilet, what does he keep trying to do, Bob? He keeps trying to grab these goddamn toothpicks so he can yeah. chew on one because he's stressed, which, like, I get it, dude. Like, I understand. But also, whatever's in that toilet, it needs to be contained. <laughs> Yeah, and every time he goes to like reach for him, the thing thunks and almost knocks him over. Every time, and the last time he does it, pink it basically hits him really hard. He falls over and it breaks its way through the tank. Yeah, the toilet like the toilet tank shatters and water goes everywhere because uh, it throws the lid up so hard. Yeah, and what comes out of the toilet, Bob? I don't know what it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically a worm with a slit on the bottom of the front and two eyeballs, and its mouth is full of teeth. Yeah, and then it's got a weird butthole tail with spikes on the end. I don't know how else to describe it. That's an interesting description, Bob. I'll describe it later when we're talking about the book description. Really? Yeah. Okay, that'll be They're interesting. Vaguely similar. I'm just like. Okay. I think your way of describing it's interesting. Um. <laughs> Then it's basically a fight in the bathroom between Beaver and this worm and the worm is kicking Beaver's ass. Yeah. What does it do to him? Rit takes off some of his fingers on his hand. Yeah. Bites the back of his neck, knocks his glasses off his face, which yeah. <laughs> is another thing. Because he can't fucking see. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah. So at this point, Jonesy comes back in and Beaver's wrestling this thing. Yeah. And Jonesy is like freaking out, like, Oh God, I'm trying to help you and Beaver and Beaver's like, Get the fuck out of here, I think dude. It's less that he he's freaking out trying to help, but he like freezes yeah he's, Cause he's like what the fuck i mean yeah that's a thing to see oh we didn't even talk about it you get to see mccarthy's butthole like not his full butthole but when he comes off the toilet you see his ass and his blood Ugh, it's so gross it's just like a bloody butthole yeah i mean like i a, didn't want to see it bloody butt cheeks it's fine it, oof. it's not that disturbing but yeah beaver's wrestling this thing and he's like jonesy go yeah i'll hold it and as Jonesy's standing there the thing like bites beaver's face mm-hmm. and he falls down we don't get to see it like destroy his face or anything but yeah assumedly it kills him yeah and then uh at this point Josie slams the door shut and the thing we can hear it slink up to the door yep and it starts trying to turn the door handle jonesy's is holding it shut Did you like that yeah no that freaking freaking it was kind of cheesy that it was no it handle. freaked me out dude but then it starts breaking its way through the door yep and and then it stops and jonesy is holding the door handle so hard that he pulls it out so then it's not holding the worm back anymore so the door slowly opens yep. and jonesy gets i uh, you can talk about this because i don't want to talk about it <laughs> anymore so jonesy's holding the door handle and the door slowly opens right and yeah. we expect the worm to come out mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead we see a shadow come up behind jonesy and the worm slithers between his feet yep and we up onto up, the thing and we see these feet and we go up, and standing in front of us is this slimy, pale-looking gray alien. Gray, g- g- little It's a very large gray man with a big-ass noggin. And two big eyes. Two big yellow eyes. And Jonesy is fucking stunned. Because, I mean, you have to be. Yep. That's fucking scary. And the thing gets really close to his face, and then it, it explodes. In red mist. And the red mist flows into Jonesy. Yep. And then it cuts away. Yeah. That was an interesting thing I didn't expect to happen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, fair enough. What do you think of the gray alien? It's terrifying. Terrifying? You don't terrifying. like it? Mom mm-hmm. doesn't like gray aliens. I don't like gray aliens. I'm very scared they of scare them. They scare him. But that's not it. Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Anyways, basically it cuts back to uh, Pete, who's now, what, six beers deep? <sighs> I yeah, think he we went counted? for the beer, and now he's like six beers deep. And he starts talking to this woman in the shack who's... who isn't moving because we see... That there's a hole, like, in her pants. Yeah, where whatever was inside of her has escaped now. And has crawled into the snow around him. Yeah. And he starts talking about something really weird. Mm-hmm. What does he start talking about, Bob? How his, their friend, have we, I don't know if we've gotten a kid flashback yet, have we? I don't think we got, so. No, did, I don't think so. But... I don't think we've met Duddits yet. But he keeps talking about how his friend Duddits, who he met many years ago, uh, is the one who gave them these powers that they have. This, this connection they all share. And how he's been preparing them for something, and he thinks that... Like, he doesn't know what it is, basically. He's like, what did Duditz give us, a- like, why would he give us this? What is he preparing us for? Yeah, but what is Pete's theory about Duddit? Do you remember? Uh, that he is not from this planet. Yeah. That he d- is an alien. That Duddit is somehow an alien. Um, I don't remember specifically what he says, actually. I think he, he, he's like, he... Oh, he's so good that he cannot be a human being. Right, and then he's like, he must come here to, like, save the world or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. It's it's odd. Yeah. But basically, while this happens, Pete's like, I gotta pee. I have to piss. He starts peeing in the snow. He writes out dudits. In the pissed. snow and piss. And he pees on one spot for a while, and a hole is formed. And yeah. what pops out of the hole, Bob? The worm. It's another worm. Yeah, it pops out. Bites his dick. He, he says later, it tried to bite my dick. I think he got the overalls in front of his cock before it got okay. bitten off. Fair enough, because he does see it come out slowly. Yeah. And then he starts fighting with it. Yeah, it bites him. It tries to stab it him. It bites with its his tail. ear. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, he he actually very smartly uses the fire that they yeah. made to like get it off it's of him. It's holding on to his like crotch and everything, and he falls on top he of the fire. He basically just right on the fire flat, and, and it and, like, um, freaks out and squirms away. Yeah, it kills it basically. Yeah, and then he, it, when it's on his neck, like biting his ear, he takes a piece of wood from the fire and lights it, and uses that to get it off of him. Yeah, but he he kills it, which is pretty great, pretty effective. And then it cuts back to Henry, who's walking down the road. Yep. And Henry sees, well, he hears a snowmobile coming towards him. Yep. Which he's like, oh, yeah, it's Jonesy. Yeah, because, can can I I just, can we talk about this now? Yeah, go ahead. They all have the ability to read minds, all of them, within a certain range of each other, in other people's minds sometimes. If they're looking at them. I think they can read each other's minds at a further range than they can read other people's minds. So you think their powers are mind reading and... So I think they all have different powers on top of that. I think whatever the fuck uh, Pete can do that can find things is really cool. Like the Where he swirls his finger in a weird tunnel form? Yeah, and I think that just lets him find stuff he's looking for. Okay. Jonesy's power is fucking nuts. The memory warehouse? Jonesy has this big, like warehouse in his mind where he stores all his memories. And he can compartmentalize it all and organize it. And then he also has like a secret place where he can keep all the memories he wants to make sure he keeps. It's like extra storage space. Yeah. He calls it the SSD. Same shit, different day. Okay. That's interesting. It's on the door. It's on the door. That's not what he calls it. I think it's interesting that that was your takeaway. Really? Yeah. Well, it's also what Jonesy writes when he calls, um, or not when Beaver calls Jonesy. At the beginning, At the beginning, he writes SSD in the, um, on the glass in the telephone booth. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that later. Hmm. (laughs) interesting. But basically, it's a place where he can, like, store extra stuff. Yeah, it's like like a special place for Mm -hmm. the good stuff that he doesn't want to... Because he even says whenever he um he says his his warehouse is essentially full and whenever he learns something new he has to throw something out and what he does he has to burn it yeah he basically has to delete it from his mind mm-hmm. but things like he wants to make sure he doesn't delete he throws into like the special room for which I think it's so cool that the special room looks like the place where they found Duddits yeah but long story Sorry. short I keep getting no you. it's a good thing to bring up because yeah. you know Henry hears the snowmobile coming and then he's like. That's not Jonesy, that's Mr. Gray. Yeah. He says it out loud. And then he we see the snowmobile coming and it's Jonesy on the snowmobile. Yep. But what's He's weird about Jonesy? He's acting freaky. Yeah. Like smiling weird and like acting very abnormal. And it's at this point we see Jonesy starts talking in a British accent. Yep. Which is weird because it's not Jonesy British. does not have a British accent. <laughs> but it's like a very posh British mm-hmm. accent. And right after, but he says, what was that, Mr. Jones? Yep. I think I say, this part of the movie's cool, Jonesy. by the way. And then we hear Jonesy's normal voice. Mm-hmm. We don't he- see him say it, but we hear his normal voice say, like, who are you? Yeah. Like, what are you doing in here? Um, I think he says, why are you keeping me alive? Yeah. And it's basically this reveal that the gray alien that exploded into mist mm-hmm. possessed- Possessing Jonesy. him. And has access to all of his memories and is walking around, but... His memory warehouse. Jonesy is hiding in the SSD room. Okay, it's SSDD. SSDD, sorry, not SSD. <laughs> SSDD room, and the it, the Graylian cannot find him. Yeah. Mr. Gray. Um. So he's still in there a lot, cognizant of everything that's going on. He just cannot... have control of his body and he can see what's happening through like this window yeah that's in the room like Mm -hmm. he can see through his eyes but yeah at some point around here there's a flashback to like how the boys met Duddits. what did you think about the flashback stuff i like i actually really like the kid stuff i wish there was more of it honestly let's just describe the two kid scenes right now uh sure we can fair enough yeah because i don't exactly know when they come in but the first one is them rescuing Duddits from a bunch of bullies trying to make him eat shit Literally. They, they're they looking to see if they can find uh, this girl, Schlossinger's. <laughs> they think there's pictures of her, and I'm quoting here. <laughs> pictures of uh, Schlossinger's pussy. On the wall of this place. In yeah. this like abandoned fac- like factory or something. Yeah. And when they're going there, they see Duditz, who's this kid. Do you know what type of school he goes to, Bob? I'm not going to say it. Okay. Well, he goes to a special needs school. Yeah. Because he's That's needs. not what they say in the movie. Yes, because this scene is set in, in the, like, probably the 80s yeah. or the 70s, right? The 70s. And so they use uh, the the politically correct term for the 70s. At the time. Which yeah. is not the politically correct term for uh, right now. Yes. Wasn't necessarily politically correct then, but it was the common term. But yeah. Duddits is only in his underwear, and two older kids, do you do you know how old they looked? Oh, they were probably in high school. Yeah. How old do you think the four boys are, by the way? Uh, probably 13 to 14. So, school. And I think... I think they're early middle school, late middle school, early high school. Okay. And I think that the other kids were probably uh, a year or two older than them. Fair so enough. probably in high school at some point. But the kids are trying to make duddits eat dog shit. Yeah. Just being absolute fucking shitheads. And basically the boys scare them off.
1: Yeah. I think it's really like- funny
0: how they scare them off. We'll tell. <laughs> they're like, we'll tell everybody how fucking terrible you are. And then Beaver's just like, no, let's fucking kick their ass. He picks up two rocks and he slams them together. He's like, I want to kill them. <laughs> It's really good. <laughs> um, obviously, the, the bigger kids are like, we're just going to kill you, too. And they're like, yeah. you won't catch Pete. <laughs> Pete, Pete can runs run home fast. and tell his mom. <laughs> they call him fly- I think um, he says they call him Flying Pete. Yeah. It's but good. That's the first back flashback. The second flashback is later on, and it shows basically how they got their powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically commune with Duddits to find this missing girl yeah. from the special needs school. And Duddits basically have... That's yeah, awesome. Pete uses his weird f- finger wave tunnel technique to find her. Yeah, that's the first time he uses it. Mm-hmm. Duddits does, does it with him, and they... Yeah, play. they all learn. And they the thing is, the cool thing is they can all see it, too. And I don't yeah, think anyone it's else plot, can. Think can. Yeah, do, but those are the two flashbacks. And I guess going back to Jonesy, he's driving around. He picks up Pete. Yep. And he forces Pete to try and take him to the road. Yeah, he act. It's very interesting. How does he force Pete? Well... He's going to kill him, and then Jonesy comes through the window and into Pete's mind and goes, you just tell him what he wants, Pete, or he's going to fucking kill you. Like, please, for the love of God, tell him. Well, no, that's not, no. No. Isn't that what happens? No. <sighs> Jonesy, Mr. Gray pulls up and tries to, like, trick Pete. Yeah, in that he's Jonesy, yeah. Pete realizes and is like, no, who are you? Yeah. And he's like, well, why don't you tell me what I want? And Jonesy's like, don't tell him, Pete. And so Mr. Jonesy uses some powers to torture Pete. Do you not remember that? Pete starts screaming and choking. Oh, yeah, because he's going to kill him. Yeah. I was asking you what happened. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> also, can I can I bring something up? Uh-huh. Pete tries to hit him with the finger blast, like the cool thing that do, that Duddits taught him, and he dodges it, and Mr. Gray goes, what a neat little trick. I wonder who taught you that. Well, no, he doesn't try to hit him with it. He does just he not? Pointing. Yeah, just happens to be behind him. It looks like he dodges it. Well, no, it just kind of surprises him. Mm, interesting. Um, but I was really asking, do you know how, like, Mr. Gray was, like, strangling him? I actually don't know. Okay, so. Uh, anyways, he uses the finger blast to go point him. Yeah. Uh, and they start driving away. And eventually, uh, Mr. Gray keeps asking Pete questions. Eventually, he's like, no, I'm not going to answer anymore. Yep. And what does Mr. Uh, Gray do? Mr. Gray turns into his normal alien form, which it's a is... a big, like... It- it's a bigger version of the, the worms. Bigger version of the worms, but with legs. Yelp. And takes it and just eats him. Eats him. Bites them in half. And the whole time Jonesy has to watch. From his mind. Um, And so from this point forward, it's basically Mr. Gray hitchhiking around. Yeah. Killing people. And he eventually infects a dog. And we learn he's going to, do you remember what the name of the place is? Quabbin Reserve. Yeah. It's basically the, uh, it's not a reserve, it's a reservoir. Reservoir, that's what it was. A reservoir where like all the water for Boston comes from. Yeah. And he basically picks up this dog along the way and he infects with a worm thing. Yep. His idea is to get the worm. To burst out of the dog, lay eggs, and have the eggs get into the water to infect everyone in Boston. Yep. During this time, Henry has put on skis, which apparently Bob <laughs> thinks is very funny. It is funny, man. Why? Because it's faster than walking, but you can I can tell Henry doesn't know how to fucking ski. And it's so funny. All right. Watching him fall was the one of the funniest parts of the movie. Yeah, he does fall down uh, once he makes it a while. The second he falls down, lights turn on. Yep. And um, he's surrounded by these military guys who have posted up at Goslin's. Yep. And I think we've kind of skipped over this. These yeah, we've already guys seen all that. Stuff are set up basically. You know the the guys who've quarantined this area. They've made Goslin's their home base, and they've basically taken all the local people they can find and thrown them into like a fenced-in area. Yeah. Because. Basically, everyone's infected. Or if you're not infected, you're still going in there in case you're infected. Yeah, just in case. Um, And right before Henry gets there, they've gone out and they've killed all the aliens. Well, tried to kill all the aliens. Well, essentially what has happened is there was a crash landing. Yep. Uh, This huge ship crashed somewhere near there. It's a big fucking ship, too. They take helicopters there and they start rocketing. Yeah. All these, like, basically full-grown gray men that we see. Yeah. The two-leg worm boys. Um, And while they're doing that, the ship explodes because- they kill most of them. Yeah, so they self-destruct the ship to basically kill as many of them as possible. I think that's the big stuff. Uh, the only thing I will mention is, did you hear the noises that the aliens were like projecting into their heads? Yeah, that's like, and I think it's so interesting that, uh, oh, what is Morgan from his character's name? I can't remember. Uh, Abe. Abraham Curtis. Yeah, so Curtis is the leader of what is called the Blue Group. Blue Team. Blue Team or whatever. Basically, they're the alien people. They, If an alien crash lands, they're the ones in to clean it up. They're not controlled by the government. They're controlled by him. You well, know? they're a part of the government. They're just slightly outside the army. Yeah, they're outside of like military jurisdiction and stuff, for the most part. Standard. Yeah. Um, they're in it, but... And removed. the whole time that they're flying over, like shooting all these aliens, they're projecting into their minds. They're like, "No, we're helpless. We crashed. Like, please help us. We're dying. We need to survive." Blah blah blah. Basically, trying to convince them that they should not kill all of them. Um, and Curtis is just like, "Don't believe a word they say." These fucking wretched worms are here to take over our planet. He has no remorse for it at all. And I think he says they're they're foxes in the chicken coop. Yeah, he said it. it this guy goes hard. <laughs> yeah, he, he has no remorse for anything. Did any you of like this. Morgan Freeman? Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's good. As Curtis? Yeah, it's good. It's very good. All right, thumbs up. Good good character, even though he's kind of a dickhead. Why is he a dickhead, Bob? Yeah. Are you gonna mention that scene? Why don't you mention that scene? So there's this other before this happens, before they go on this first excursion out into the yeah. field to blow up all these aliens, there's a scene of Curtis in his um like trailer or whatever, set up by Goslins and Owens, the other officer that works with Nathan, brings in a dude. Uh, let's mention Owens. Why is Owens important? Because to, to Curtis, essentially, because Curtis decides that this is his last rodeo and he gives basically going to give command over to Owens after this is all over. So he's second in command. Basically, he even gives uh, Owens a gun. His gun that's from John Wayne, <laughs> which was very funny, made me laugh. But Owens brings in this guy that was on patrol and Curtis starts asking him questions. He was like, I need to know this right now. If you tell me the truth, everything will be fine, but if you lie to me, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> like, do not lie to me. He's like, did you or did you not let this woman and her young daughter pass at this time, at this road? And he And for, ah, what was it? And he's like, yes, I did. But he's like, I don't, basically, he's like, these people took a wrong turn. Yeah. They they weren't weren't in the, in the quarantine zone. And then, they were, they just weren't in the infection area. In the infection area, yeah. And then Curtis goes, are you, are you, know that for a fact? He says, Scouts Honor. Scouts Honor, (laughs) do you know that for a fact? Swear to me that you know that for a fact that they were not infected. And he just, he goes to put up three fingers for Scouts Honor. And fucking Curtis blows one of his fingers off. Yo. Dude's freaking out screaming. Come to find out, that woman was definitely infected and is now in the rodeo pen with everybody else. So, dude fucked up. Yeah. Still didn't deserve to get his fingers blown off, but whatever. It's the first time you see Morgan Freeman getting kind of unhinged in this movie. It's cool. Yeah. It's different from what I, from other stuff I've seen him in, you know? But, yeah, generally, going back to Henry arriving. <laughs> yeah. Because we kind of went over the important stuff there. Henry arrives. He has some interactions with- Owens. Owens. Oh, we and a little bit of Psychic Abe. thing with- uh, Curtis. Yeah. Um, but basically, I think Abe gets weirded out, so he goes to talk to him. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that he that Abe picked up on the mind spying because I guess he's probably been in this for so long that he knows mm-hmm. what that feels like. Because I'm sure the other aliens have tried it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a small little thing that I think is very interesting. Okay. But eventually, Owens goes to talk to Henry. Yeah. And did you catch what like Henry said to Owens that like catches attention? He starts talking about his family. Yeah, and, stu- and talking about stuff that only that only someone who knew Owens really well would know. Yeah, like I know you. Your dad was a great soldier. You carry a picture with him, picture of him everywhere you go. Like just stuff that will build a rapport that only someone who knows him really well would know. Yeah, I which also, I think is very interesting. It's kind of proven, like, hey, I got powers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm special basically. And Henry essentially goes, "We have two problems. A, you Owens don't want to kill everyone here because basically at this point Curtis has told him." They're going to have to kill everyone in the rodeo pen. Yep. Which I think it's kind of odd that Owens has a problem with. Yeah. Because his first introduction, he's like, kill them all. Mm Got to keep it contained. And then, like, only five minutes earlier, he was like, there's studies saying that maybe half of these people will be okay. Yeah. Basically, the, their government has run some tests, and there's a chance that only some of the people will get infected. That get infected will have worms burst out of them. Yeah, and die. Causing a problem. And so Owen's, like, kind of talking about this study. Because it was it was done by this other guy. Um, General Matheson. General Matheson. Three-star General Three Matheson. Three-star. Pretty, pretty impressive. Very impressive. And Kurtz is like, I've been doing this for 25 years. That's bullshit. That guy hasn't been two states near an alien. Yeah. E. T., uh is what he calls it. But, essentially... You know, Owen's talking to Henry and Henry's like, you don't want to kill all these people. It's our job to, um, it might be our job to kill people, but sometimes we got to save lives, which is apparently the last thing Owen's dad ever said. said. Um, But the other thing he says is, my friend carried one of these things out of here. Yeah. Which is, Kurt said that's like their worst case scenario. A hitchhiker is their worst case scenario, yeah. Yeah, that one person will be infected and escape. That's why they have to take care and kill like everyone they have under control. Mm -hmm. It's because we can't necessarily stop a hitchhiker. We can set up like barriers and everything. We can do our best, but we can make sure no one escapes from the facility. The quarantine which zone. I'll ask you what your thoughts are on Curtis's plan. Okay. Later, but yeah, essentially, Owens is convinced by Henry to uh, call Colonel Matheson, not Colonel General Matheson, yep. to take over uh, the facility to and prevent all these people from dying. To take Henry away to go locate Jonesy. Yeah, because their psychic connection is a much further distance than yeah others. So they so basically he can kind of track his direction and communicate with yeah. Them. And you know they're driving and basically Owens frees Henry. Yep, and they're driving along and Henry's able to contact Jonesy, and Jonesy really is only able to tell him that they're going to Massachusetts. Yep. And it's right around this time that, I guess, Henry has, like, a psychic thing that tells him he needs Duddits to help. I think he puts it together because of, um, something... Doesn't Jonesy on the phone say, our friend, Scooby-Doo? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically reminding him. Because when they first meet Duddits, he has a Scooby-Doo lunchbox, and he sings the Scooby-Doo theme song. But they decide to go pick up Duddits. Duddits, yeah. And we see, they haven't seen him for a while, but he has leukemia. Yeah. So he's pretty bad. He's missing most of his hair and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they pick him up, and they use Duddits to find Henry. Yep, to completely track down Henry. Because he's somewhere in Massachusetts, they just don't know exactly where. Yeah, but they track him down to the reservoir. When they're there, Owens gets out of the car first with a gun. Yep. Because he's basically like, I have to kill him. Yeah, he's told Henry at this point, we're going to have to shoot your friend. And so he goes in alone, I think because he doesn't want the distraction there. Yeah, but also, I don't, you know, he doesn't want to see that, and neither does Duddits. Yeah, so he tells Henry, stay in the car and watch Duddits. Well... Owens is walking in. We see Kurtz come in with a helicopter with a 50-cal machine gun on it. Because there's a fucking tracker in the John Wayne gun that he gave Owens. (laughs) And they get into a firefight. Long story short, Owens takes a couple 50-cal rounds and dies. (laughs) But not before shooting down a helicopter. Curtis's plane. With a submachine gun and a forty (laughs) five. He doesn't even shoot it down with the submachine gun. No, he put some holes in it. No, I think he misses entirely with the submachine gun. No way, bro. He fired like... Thir- I know. Rounds. <laughs> I think he only puts holes in with the the forty five revolver, not revolver, but like the a the forty the yeah pistol. Yeah, yeah. I think he puts two well, shots he, in the door, with and the then he pistol. shoots out the fucking tail thing. And then he the shoots tail. out the uh the tail. Uh, I don't know what you would call that. What tail that rotor. Called? Tail rotor. Yeah. Yeah. And Curtis crashes. Crashes. And and they explodes. basically they both die. Yep. And <laughs> and so you know Henry gets out now, and he grabs the gun, and he's like, "Dad, you stay here." First of all. Good thing he checked the magazine. It was empty. He had to pull one off of Owen's yeah. corpse and reload it. But he goes inside, and when he gets inside, Jonesy is sitting next to an open, like, uh... Reservoir tank, basically. It's not a reservoir tank. It's the... Manhole cover. It's a manhole cover that Jonesy has levered open. Yeah. And right in front of Jonesy is a worm. That has crawled out of the dog. It's crawled out of the dog. And so... You know, Henry walks in the room. The worm sees him. It rushes Henry. Yep. He starts firing erratically. I think it's really cool, by the way, that he doesn't instantly kill it, that he actually misses a bunch because he's not, he does not use a fucking submachine gun like that. He knows how they use a regular gun, but not yeah. a submachine gun. And also, he's firing at full auto, so it just misses. Yeah. Whiffs. And eventually, you know, the worm jumps at him. He sticks the gun in front of him and it latches onto the front of it, which I think is humorous. Humorous. I, it, Kind of stupid. Kind of stupid. Lie. Yeah, but then he blows it away. Then he blows it away. It gets blasted away. Yeah, and you know Jonesy laying down the manhole cover. He's like, "I knew you'd come for me, Henry." And Henry's like, "I don't know. Yeah, if you're Jonesy, tell me. And something- I think I might have to shoot you." Tell me something only we would know. And Jonesy goes like. First SSDD. he says SSD. and he goes not good enough. And so Jonesy's like, why don't you ask me something like any question, right? Yeah. And so the building where they were going to look for the picture, <laughs> yeah, of a woman's genitalia, and where they found Duddits had uh, this logo written on it: uh, no jump, no play. No bounce, no play. No bounce, no play. Yeah, but no bounce, no play. And it's basically, we can talk about what that means later, but yeah. it says no bounce, no play. And so he asks, what does that say? It doesn't say no bounce, no play, but he's like, what was on that building? Yeah. And we see Jonesy slowly start to go, no bounce, because he's trying to like buy time. Mm-hmm. Because Jonesy can see it, that out of the dead worm's corpse, an egg is rolled a out. single eggular, And a tiny little worm is hatched out of there. It's about the size of what, like an earthworm? They're very small, yeah. And it's... Basically, starting to crawl towards this open manhole cover. Uh, but right before Jonesy can finish his sentence, Duddits walks in, <laughs> and as Duddits walks in and towards Mister Gray, yep, one of the giant aliens bursts out of Jonesy. It from red mist essentially. Yeah. It doesn't tear out of him.
1: No, and it, it leaves.
0: The, it stops possessing him. Yeah, it dabs Duddits with his tail. Yeah, because all of the tails are like these weird prehensile, like try try. Looks like the claw from the claw machine except pointy. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. It stabs Duddits in the chest onto the ground. But then Duditz goes, What, I Duddits? Yeah. He says that a lot. He just throws up his and goes, I Duddits. He throws up his hands. But he grabs uh the tentacle yep. and what happens, Bob? Duddits turns into an alien. But distinctly, a different a alien. A different kind of alien, which is very interesting. And basically, they start, like, fusing together. Yeah, and it's like, covers him in, like, some weird, like, I don't know, amorphous, like, egg-like, uh, what is the word I like? Membrane? Yeah, but they, sh- they, like, implode and then explode into red dust. Yep. And, you know, at this point, you know, Jonesy and Henry are kind of having, like, a face-off. Because I-, I don't think Henry knows at this point. But then Jonesy stamps and steps on the worm. The little worm that is basically inches away from jumping into the yep. water. And so it's kind of like, ah, did it. Jonesy's okay, and then it's like, end of movie. That's it. End of the movie. Yeah, that's it. That was a long explanation, yeah. mostly because there's a lot to unpack in this film. Yeah, we even skipped a, a lot, actually. Yeah, um, we didn't even talk about fucking, uh, oh my god, Henry burning the cabin down. Yeah, Henry made it back to the cabin he burnt it down. Yeah, because there were eggs and worms inside, and he yeah. went, fuck that. And a lot of this red stuff. Yep, the red stuff that's all over the animals and on people's faces. Do you remember faces. what they, the soldiers call it? Uh, Ripley. Yeah, like <laughs> named after the woman from Alien. Yeah. All right, but yeah, it's a fast-growing red stuff. Uh, I mean, it had covered the cabin by the time they got in there. Uh, is there any way you describe that red stuff? I know it's the stuff on the people. Um, I, I it looks, um, oh god, what is the is what I'm looks like almost fungus. Okay. Kind of like not fungus, moss. It looks like mossy. Moss? It's like red moss. Okay. Kind of, yeah. But But more dusty looking. It's growing fast all over everything. Yeah. And there's a worm in the bed there. It kind of looks weird. Uh, And a bunch of eggs. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of the movie. Yep, uh, We did a kind of an in-depth discussion here because there's a lot to break down. It's a very long movie. Also, you might have heard the reviews of this movie and might have gone, I don't want to listen to this. Yep. Or I don't want to watch this movie. So we kind of gave you a pretty in-depth yeah. discussion. So mm-hmm. I think you aren't going to watch Didn't it. Didn't expect the alien spin, going to be honest. <laughs> what did you think? It was just going to be some weird parasite? Yep. All right. So do you have any comments you want to make before I start asking you post-movie discussion questions? Now that we've kind of summarized what happens? No, because I can talk about it during the discussion. <laughs> okay. So- I. Think I I think this point needs to be made. Dreamcatcher is bonkers. Yeah. No, it's nuts. Like, it's it's wild. It's like alien parasites in the woods, but there's also like this weird, like, I how do you describe on, it? Mind reading? Yeah, mind wi- reading telepathy thing. And also other powers that I don't really understand. Yeah, I think you've described it as mind reading telepathy, and then what's the other one that means? Precognition? Yeah, because pre- there's stuff that, ha- like, because fucking when Henry comes back to the house, he doesn't know what happened, but he gets a flashback of what Jonesy saw. Yeah. Which is like, that's his power. By the way, if you were wondering, he's the one with precognition or post-cognition, I guess. Whatever. Um, I don't know what Beaver's power is, by the way. But I don't beaver. I don't think Beaver has an extra power like the rest of them. All right. Well, I assume he might in the book, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. But there's like there's a weird magic kind of psychic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this parasite. Aliens. There's also aliens. Multiple different kinds of aliens. But, uh, yeah. And then also designs. the army subplot between, like, Owens and uh, Curtis and Matheson. It's yeah. a whole thing. And I, I think the fact that there's so much going on and it's so weird is a good example of the whole, like, Stephen King eccentric style of work. Yeah. And now this is obviously one of his more eccentric works, but... I want to read this now, by the way. Well, we'll talk about the book in a little bit, but glad you want to read it. All right, so the way you can kind of summarize this movie is it's Stephen King's attempt to make the bathroom scary. Huh. Simply because, like, the thought of something coming out of a toilet to, like, attack you mm-hmm. is kind of scary. Like, Very imagine scary. a spider or a snake, like, in your toilet Ugh. Like while you're sitting down. It's mm. um, a real fear that I have. However, I think it's important that, that, like, King's reasoning for the topic had more to do, like, with the idea of a lot of bad news coming to you in the bathroom. Like, realizing you have, like, cancer or something like that. Huh. Uh, or, like, you know, when you go to the bathroom and you poop. Mm-hmm. You look down in the bowl, and there's like worms or, blood. or something bad. Yeah, interesting. Um, not to mention, like, uh, he's gone on record saying, like, half the people or half of scaring people is getting them somewhere they feel undefended, and there's nowhere like worse than in the bathroom, the bathroom. with your pants down. You know what? That makes total sense on why um, Pete got attacked while he was pissing and shit's coming out of their ass, like, yeah. while they're pooping. That makes total sense, but yeah, that's kind of the idea here. Is it was Stephen King essentially, it was his attempt to make the bathroom scary. That's how you can roughly summarize it. Uh, because I don't know if you remember what Morgan Freeman calls the worms. I think he's the only one who does it, and he does it once. No, I don't actually. Calls them shit weasels. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't catch that because it's pretty funny. I just, you know what? I didn't catch it because I just assumed that was an insult that he said often. <laughs> he only says it once in the movie. Yeah, now I'm that I think am assuming he does it. say it often, but he calls them shit weasels. That makes sense. That's really funny. Um, which, uh, obviously, if we decide to go with the name shit weasels for this episode, we really can't. Yeah. I figured out a fancy scientific name for that. Oh my god. Mustela cacas. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, you know. That that title that, name that, there cuz mustela is uh, title underperformed. Uh, mustela is the scientific name for weasel oh, and then cacas okay. is Latin for, for shit. For shit, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was clever. It is clever. Um, but I don't know if anyone else would get it. They don't have to get it. They then watch the thing. It's fair. They'll get it if they watch the episode. Yep. Uh, but yeah, shit weasels. I think it's a little catchier than just it, calling them worms. It is catchy. But yeah, I mean, do you kind of get the bathroom thing? Yeah. No, I get it now that you say it. Do but you, it's not evident in the actual movie. Do you think that's kind of stupid? Yes. It is pretty stupid. <laughs> okay. But that's very Stephen. Uh, once again, I think that's very Stephen King taking something stupid and trying to like make something. Like the bathroom out of it. being scary. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. I was <laughs> like, fuck you, bitch. No, because I'm thinking I'm just I'm thinking about Salem's Lot. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you've read Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. You know Stephen King kind of likes to write himself a character. Yeah. He's he is the main character in Salem's Lot, and you cannot change my mind. Yeah, he writes one character that's usually kind of the main ish character that has a lot of traits you'd associate with Stephen King, like being a writer or something. Literally an alcoholic writer. Do you know which character was the Stephen King character in this? See, I'm I'm curious. What, you're, what the answer is going to be. Yeah, I can tell you what the probable answer is, but which one do you think it is? I want to say it's Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Mm, Pete does have alcoholism. <laughs> it's not Beaver. Beaver's too happy-go-lucky to be Stephen King. It's Jonesy. It has to be Jonesy. It has to be Jonesy. It has to be. Final answer? Yeah. It is Jonesy. Yeah. I thought you were going to think it was Henry. No. Who has a lot more screen time in this movie. That's fair, but I, I don't think Stephen King... I think Stephen King would not doesn't really fit Henry that well, but also I think Jonesy is more the main character. Okay. Is that your only reason that you think it was Jonesy? No, because I also think Stephen King and he talks about this in on writing. He has had a lot of struggles in his life with um what is what I'm looking Drugs for? Drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. And I think the worm being in Jonesy's mind and trapping him is kind of an allegory. Okay, that's or like an, interesting an analog take. for that sort of thing. Because sometimes when people have a, a crippling addiction, it can feel like their their mind is muddled and they're trapped within themselves. You know what I mean? And that's sort of what's happening in this situation. Oh, that's being 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 an observer of your life without having feeling like you have any actual input is exactly what's happening to Jonesy. You know what I mean? He was observing mm-hmm. his what was happening to himself from an outside perspective without any sort of control, which is what it can feel like when you're on a spiral. That's a cool thing. I I hadn't thought about it that way. I have a very different reasoning for why this really? is the obvious Stephen King character. Okay. Uh, firstly, there's a weird throwaway line in the book. This is the first time I'm going to mention the book, but I won't do this again until we get to the book section. Sure. Where it's mentioned that Jonesy wanted to be a writer. When oh. He so that's 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 one of the lines. But there's a very, very obvious okay. connection, though. Stephen King wrote this book after a car crash. Oh. And okay. Jonesy's in a car crash. Jonesy gets <laughs> annihilated by a car That's, like, the gnarliest thing about this movie. I think the car crash is, like, really cool. I think Jones I like the makeup on that looks really good too. Yeah, and uh we'll talk about the car crash more when we get to the book section because it is kind of important to mm-hmm. the story. But, moving on, do you think the dark comedy of this works? Like, do you think it's too humorous? I don't think it's too humorous, no. I think it has the right amount of funny. Okay. Like, I think Beaver, I, I love Beaver. He's probably my favorite of the main of the main characters. He's funny, but in, a, in a, a dark way. Because even when he's on the shitter, holding back the worm, he's funny. Like, he's trying to make Jonesy not feel so bad, you know? And I think that, uh, I, I think it works. I think it adds a nice layer to the whole movie that it's a little funny throughout. It's nice. Do so you kind of like that? hmm But you I didn't did. think it was, like, too goofy at times? like No, actually. I mean, like, when the shit weasel jumps onto the gun and then pauses for a second and it gets blown away. <sighs> that was stupid, but, like, I can get over it. You okay. know what I mean? It, it didn't ruin it anything. There wasn't enough to ruin it? No. But th- I, I just noticed a couple things like that where it was a little, I thought, over the top. Yeah. Like, one time the shit weasel bites the... It's like a toilet bowl scrubber that beaver's fighting it off with yeah and it just holds it for a second, looks at him, and then chomps through it. Yeah, yeah. It just adds l- an element of uh, campiness to the movie that I don't really mind, honestly. You didn't mind it, mm-hmm. okay? That's that was really what I was getting. As if you mind the campiness, you know, I love some good camp. I mean, I do too, but I, I just wasn't sure if you thought it was appropriate I mean, for this it, movie. It does kind of totally clash with the rest of the movie, but I think it needs it because if it doesn't have it, it feels like it takes itself too seriously. Okay, you think this is a movie that shouldn't take itself too seriously? No, because if it did, it would be terrible. <laughs> Why? Because it is shit weasels yes okay it's a movie about making the bathroom scary come on ben can't be too serious all right that's a hot take really yeah all right what'd you think about the deaths in this movie I, I'm really upset that Beaver died so early. He died in the first 30 minutes. No, it was a little bit more than that. Maybe 40. No, because when I looked at the clock and said, oh, it's been 45 minutes, Beaver was dead. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and it had been a while you since he died. You kept complaining about that after the fact, too. I was mad. He's He was a good character that I felt like deserved more screen time. He's a good character, yeah. They're fine. None of them are particularly crazy or interesting. No. They just either a worm bursts out of you die or a you get eaten by b you get eaten by worm or i guess in owen's case you get shot to death by those are the more interesting ones i think is the one where it's not the the aliens killing people it's the people killing people yeah those are more interesting i think one of the things i want to mention is they're kind of degrading death like beaver kind of gets killed in the bathroom yeah beat up by a worm yeah kind of sucks that's fair he just gets n- annihilated out of nowhere. Fights with it, but gets his dick bitten first. Yeah. And then, well, he's infected with like the Red Ripley stuff. With the Ripley, which I'm just gonna call it right now. It's called in the book Ripley fungus. That's what the scientists oh. call it because they've okay. been researching it for a while. They call it Ripley fungus. But he's infected with his stuff, and then he gets bitten in half after yep. he stands up for himself. Uh, Owen has this massive shootout where he barely does anything, and then just bleeds to death. Yeah. Curtis just his helicopter explodes. You know. I, yeah. I guess. I guess that's fair. That's yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think it kind of lines up with that theme of like, like slow death kind of stuff? Like the whole bathroom thing. The whole film's kind of degrading. I mean, things are coming out of people's buttholes. Yeah. I mean, those are the really degrading deaths. Those are the really degrading ones. Uh, McCarthy has this worm pop out of his butt. So does this woman in the middle of the road. Yeah. I was just wondering what you thought about that, or if you noticed it at all. I didn't really catch it. Honestly, I wasn't. It wasn't something that I was super paying attention to. No. So not a big deal. Okay. sorry. I'm just keeping asking you questions. There's not really like a back and forth here. No, I mean, I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to save my thoughts. Yeah, because so I don't ruin your perception. Yeah, I know what you mean. Trying to preserve my perception of the movie based just on the movie and not based on what the book says. Yeah, I understand. What do you think of Jonesy's mental warehouse? I know we kind of mentioned oh, it. Oh, it's so cool. Do you think it was an in like? Do you think it was a good way to deal with like psychic powers? Yes, like as an internalized way. Of I showing think it's on screen. so fucking. That is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. In my opinion. And I thought, I mean, even even when it first popped up, when he was like, oh, I have a mental warehouse, and he showed it to me, I went, oh, we get to see it. Like, at first I thought it was going to be a throwaway line of like, oh, I have a mental warehouse. Especially because everyone else is like, yeah, you know the mental warehouse. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. we don't have it, but Jonesy does. Yeah. And it's really, really cool. It's such a cool introspective into the mind of a person. It's a cool set, too. It is a cool um, set. It's basically like multiple levels of this circular like library, mm-hmm. but they're piled high with shit. Like, you can tell he doesn't have any more space. There's Mm -hmm. stuff everywhere. Yeah, and it's all, like, organized alphabetically. And then he has the secret room, which is this room from, like, when they were kids where they saw the uh, No bounce No Play. Yeah, so you like that? It's super cool. I mean, chef's kiss on that part. That was really awesome. to get into stuff too much. I do think it is a good way to visualize, like, kind of internally cyclic mm-hmm. powers. I agree. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it is essentially the equivalent though of, okay, you know in Spongebob <laughs> that meme where you get to see inside of his head and yeah. it's like all the different Spongebob's freaking out about the paperwork? Yep. Essentially that. It's that, but it's one man. But it's one man. It's very cool. It's cool. It's a, it's a cool way to, like, show someone, like, inside their mind organizing memories. That was a fun way to visually show that. I'm glad they actually showed it. Oh, yeah, if they had just mentioned it, it it would have been lame. But it's also a good setup for him being in the secret room later, Mm -hmm. hiding from Mr. Gray, who's in the rest of the warehouse. Yep. It's a visually decent way to do that. Next question. I just kind of want to mention this now. Mm -hmm. Damian Lewis, uh, the guy who plays Jonesy, Mm -hmm. does an amazing job switching between Mr. Gray yes, and, like, Jonesy. Now, obviously, a lot of his switches are done in post- ADR. With ADR, which I also thought was cool. Where because... Jonesy is like, he's talking as Mr. Gray, but then we hear Jonesy's voice on the side. So it's not like back and forth acting. Uh, but I just want to mention that it's hard to play two very different characters in one movie. Yeah, who are in the same space at the same time. Yeah, it's just one hard one to person. wrap your head it's around super that. super cool. Um, I think it's also interesting to mention that, well, we only see it for a little bit. Jonesy before the car accident is a little bit different than Jonesy after the car accident. Oh yeah. Like in Temperament, but also in like how he moves and everything so yeah he's a Damian Lewis essentially has to learn how to play three different characters yeah uh, and I, I just wanted to mention he does a very good job he does do a very very good job Um, but I think the most interesting part of him playing Mr. Gray, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Did you pick up on the fact that Mr. Gray does not move like a normal person? Yeah, he everything he does is so awkward because he's not human. It's awkward or robotic, and I take it as he doesn't know how Jonesy's body works exactly. Mm-hmm. And as the movie progresses, he gets a little bit better at it. And but I think it's really funny. There's some moments where Mr. Gray has been digging through Jonesy's files in his head, and he's picked up on some things, and he says stuff the way Jonesy would say it. And he picks it up on it, and Jonesy goes, "You've been reading through my shit, haven't you?" Yeah, because Mr. Gray has access to the whole warehouse. Yeah, except for the little part that Jonesy's stashed that Jonesy's away in is his locked office. away. But yeah, uh, did you like the British voice for Mr. Gray? Yeah, it's fine. Nice it, distinction. It's, it's, yeah, it adds distinction. All right. Here's an interesting fact: Damian Lewis is, I think, British. I think he's from uh, Ireland. or You're s- telling me that man Wales. was doing an American accent? So yeah, he's doing an American accent. He's also doing a fake British accent because his actual British accent isn't posh like that dude I, this guy got this guy's range I think he's from Ireland or uh, Wales or something I forgot to write down where he's from god uh, damn that's a, actually really cool but yeah he has a similar accent it's not that posh one for Mr. Gray he's throwing on a voice but yeah that's fucking crazy so he essentially does two different voices because uh, you, I was convinced he was an American I did no. not know he was not. I'm not American. American. We're getting to the end of my questions here. Why do you think this movie is called Dreamcatcher? Is it because of like the symbolism of a dreamcatcher and how it's used to like defend off evil or nightmares? Hmm. Or is it just because like like why do you think so? See, that's something that plagued me throughout the entirety of watching the movie is why it was called Dreamcatcher. I was thinking about that the whole time, and I never came to a good conclusion. So I'm gonna throw you. I'm gonna throw you nothing answer. I don't fucking know. Okay. And I can't give you a straight answer. So in this movie, they show that this dreamcatcher they have hanging in the cabin mm-hmm. was made by all of them yeah and so like each member of the group made one section of the dream catcher and then sure. they made a fifth one for Dud it which is the middle one the biggest one so i mean i think it can be shown that the dream catcher represents all of them i think you notice something really interesting halfway through the film is that when henry goes back to the cabin and there's red stuff everywhere the ripley fungus half the dream is infected and at this point half of them are half of them have died yeah. So I, I guess it's partially to represent all of them. But see, you could do that with literally anything. Why specifically a dreamcatcher, right? There has to be a deeper symbolism to that. Yeah, but I, I think it's partly that it represents all of them. But I uh, maybe it's the whole, like, dreamcatchers catch bad things. In, and the the movie goes hard with this idea that Duddits, who's an alien, gave all the four boys powers so, so they that, could save the world. So they could save the world, yeah. And so maybe the idea is that they're, like, They a dream are the catcher, catcher and, and they're the aliens to catch... are the nightmare. Yeah. Sure. That feels that feels loose. It does feel loose. It feels. I'm loose I'm just trying for to Stephen figure King. it out for this. Well, it's for the movie, Bob. I know. So I'm just wondering if you think that is valid or it's valid if you want to interpret it that way. And mm. I, that's I don't know. I don't know. I I always wonder if you had anything interesting for that dream no, catcher analogy. No. It feels loose to me, and I can't put my finger on it. And I don't Fair like enough. it. Um, like not that it's bad. I just you could have used something different, but it wouldn't make sense because the mo- I guess they probably pulled it from the book the and book's couldn't really catcher. Yeah expand on it as much as they should be able to in the movie you know I'm sure the book does a way better job at that stuff because you know it's 900 pages so two more things first of all what do you think the alien life I mean how many aliens are there Bob how many sorry. different types of aliens are in this two movie? that we know of okay what are they the the worms mm-hmm. and whatever dudits is So the worms are all one thing? Yeah. What's the red stuff? Like the fungus? I Ooh, that's a good question. I assume it's... Well, it's how they reproduce. It's it's how they infect creatures to give them worms. Okay, so you think it's like a... It's sort of like a delivery mechanism. So like a sperm kind of spawning thing? Yeah, that would be my guess. But that doesn't really... mm, It kind of makes sense, but not really. I'm just wondering what you think of the other Because the worm... Well, because Mr. Gray makes the dog eat the red stuff to become... To get the worms. Well, he makes the dog eat a dead alien. But the anim- but the animals in- affected by the red stuff do get worms. Yeah. And the people affected by the red stuff do get worms. So you think the red stuff is, like, spawning stuff? like? Yeah, that would be my guess. Spores? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other one status, right? Uh, but specifically, let's I guess focus on the worm, shit, weasel, aliens, sure, or E.T.s I think as Curtis calls them. He calls them E.T.s, yeah, yeah, throughout the movie. What do you think about the idea that like this is an alien that is super hostile to Earth? Just like in the fact that I know the aliens in the crash landing part were going like, "Hey, leave us be, help us," but even though they're saying that, like they're innately hostile. Oh yeah, I mean, because, Mr. Like, Gray is trying to infect a lot of people. Mr. Gray is, but like even the ones on the crash site, like let's say they're Curtis that they're, they're not- innately hostile because instead of Running back to the ship and hiding, they run back to the ship and blow it up and kill as many humans as they can before So you before think they they're just out. hostile? Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I What I'm trying to say is, like, what do you think about the fact that it's a life form that no matter what it says or does, it's hostile to human life? Like, even if they weren't lying and they were like, hey, we're not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. The fact is, like, the way they spawn is, mm, yeah. Yeah. Or their ship explodes into red stuff. Mm-hmm. I assume that's infectious. Probably. I don't know. What do you think of that as like a concept? Like this is an alien life form that's like you can't coexist with it because it I think that's interesting. I I do I do genuinely think that's really interesting because I, me as as a human being as a person, I am not very um confrontational and I don't like the idea that uh another thing is innately there to cause conflict. The fact that this thing is sort of is a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't what to say it's bad. I feel bad for the aliens because even if they... It adds a layer of... I don't want to say sympathy because it's not really sympathy. Because you think they're just there's, hostile. There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. Even if they wanted to not hurt humans, they are innately dangerous to us. Does that mean we should eradicate them? Maybe. All right. Yeah. So this had a good lead in. What do you think about Curtis? Do you think he had the right idea? Yes. Yeah? Fuck him. Kill, kill all the people in the, the rodeo area? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fuck off! I I can't I cannot justify letting them. I'm like this. I going to sound really shitty. I can't justify letting them live because you think the risk is too high. The risk is too high. That's global yeah. annihilation. Even if some of them get better, that's the problem. That's where I run into a, a moral quandary because even Curtis says like there hasn't been enough testing to really certify this. Now, if there had been, maybe I could see a situation in which it could work, but it would require the amount of manpower and effort I think it would require for us to contain and watch the people long enough to see who burst into worms, and who doesn't is not worth the risk. Not to mention those worms, A, they move pretty fast. They're fucking dangerous. But also, each of them has eggs inside. Yep. So, like, the eggs have a bunch of tiny worms in them. Mm-hmm. You would. It would require you to basically seal each and every single one of them in a, um... Sealed room. In, yeah, in a, uh, hermetically sealed room, basically. And hope. And hope that they don't die from the worm explosion, or escape, or escape. And those worms are fucking—I mean, they're tiny, man. They're tiny and pretty about the size quick. of an earthworm, like a so. Big like one. if there even is a crack in that thing, it could get out, right? Yeah. So you, you're you're on with Curtis's plan. Yeah, I I can't justify. You feel bad about it, but you're on. With it. I I feel bad. <laughs> okay, but I'm on board. Um, that's really all the questions I got. All right, we're gonna do something interesting here. Okay. Who would you recommend this movie for right now? Before I give my description, who would you recommend it for? If you like sci-fi, this is a good sci-fi movie. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think it's very scary. No. It's kind of gross, but I mean, yeah, I think this is a fun sci-fi movie. All right. Maybe a thriller? Yeah, sci-fi thriller. I wouldn't really consider this horror. I mean, there are some horror aspects to it. Like, some of the worms are pretty gross and fighty, and that's kind of cool. They're weirdly brown. They're weirdly brown, like a turd. Also, the the big ones look like turds. They do. Yeah, if you're a fan of sci-fi thrillers, I recommend. If you're not a fan of long movies, I wouldn't. Recommend this is a long fucking movie. It's two hours fifteen. Like it's a it's not that it's a slog either. Like I think it actually went by pretty quick. I was worried I was gonna fall asleep. I wasn't sleeping. I was watching. Okay. Um. Oh, there's one more thing I was gonna say. Oh, if you're um a fan of like weird weird movies, I think this movie's very strange. (laughs) I don't know if that's, like, a, a good recommendation, but, like, I would say I'm a fan of weird movies. Like, I like weird shit. So if you're a fan of weird stuff, this is weird. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just weird. It's strange, yeah. It's just a strange... It's, it's... not like a nonsense movie where you don't know what's happening. No, it's not nonsense. It makes sense. Because there's movies like that. But it's just a strange watch. All right. And then I guess final question, rating. You're rating right now before I talk about it. You can change it later, but... I don't know why... Like, I get why people gave it a low score. Mm-hmm. Because, I, like I said, I think the pacing is terrible. <laughs> I think it's horribly paced. fair enough but I don't hate it like it's fine and I think honestly I was worried that the CGI would look bad the worms look fine the aliens look fine 2003 CGI kind of holds up it's not terrible yeah it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Honestly, three. I don't hate it, but it's not bad. Like it I think it's a fine movie. Okay. It's fine. That's fine. And I like some of the stuff they did with it, you know? Like I like the psychic power stuff with Hen I like specifically Jonesy's power. And I this think his mind warehouse. And, yeah, I like the mind warehouse stuff. I like I like the characters a lot. I think the dichotomy between Owens and Curtis is really cool with Matheson mixed in. I think the military stuff is interesting. It's just it's it's just a weird movie. <laughs> it's just strange, you know? Fair enough. Yeah anything else to add right now before I start changing no, perspective? No, because I'm really interested in what the book has to say. Alright, then I'm going to get into the book stuff, which I've been very excited to talk about. I know you have. I'm excited um, to hear about it. Personally, I, I've read this book. Uh, we're, I'm only going to really talk about the first half to the first like, three-fourths of the book. Okay. Um, Just because of spoilers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, f- first of all, Really like the book. I like it. Uh, it's probably one of my more favorite Stephen King books, which is surprising because, like, here's the thing I'll say about the book. It's out there. It's completely wild. <laughs> okay. Um, Like, Bob, you think this movie's wild? No, the book is even more wild. Really? Holy shit. Um, And there's kind of a reason for that. And the story here is uh, Stephen King in 2014 mm-hmm. uh, told Rolling Stone that, and I'm quoting here, I don't like Dreamcatcher very much. So Stephen King doesn't like the book. Doesn't like the book? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So not a very great sell. But I think part of this is because Stephen King has stated that he wrote much of the book while on OxyContin while recovering from his 1999 car accident. This was actually his, like, first book published after said accident. Okay, interesting. But yeah, he wrote the whole thing, like, By hand in cursive in the hospital. High as shit on painkillers. So when I say this book is wild and out there. Oh, it's probably. It's wild and out there because he's high as balls when he's writing it. And like, you can kind of tell. Like, it has the normal tropes and weirdness of Stephen King, like the psychic powers, the boyhood, childhood stuff. It's all there, but it's also like there's some weird, all over the place stuff. I love it. Like, Mm. I knew that kind of going into the book that it was going to be weird. And I I had heard the story about like how he wrote it right after this car accident stuff yeah. he was recovering and he wasn't sure if he was gonna write again but he, he did this but I like it like it's it's over the top but like the weirdness makes sense because a lot of the weirdness has to do with like the weird psychic powers that kids have mm-hmm. and I guess this is a pretty good way to get into it basically most of the book is like internal character dialogue that so makes it sense it switches from like different characters perspectives mm-hmm. and while it's on that character's perspective we get to see like their thoughts and also sometimes like them thinking about stuff that happened in the past and so a lot of it's internal and that's a that's a big thing with stephen king's works is like a lot of what happens is in the character's heads like their thought processes yeah, and i think we get a. L- I think this might be one of the better versions of that especially with the mind warehouse stuff well what i'm going to say there is Stephen King books naturally don't translate over to film very well mm-hmm. because a lot of a lot of the story is what characters are thinking and you can't have characters like say that out loud. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Um, but the psychic elements are one of the things that's probably the most in characters head in the book. The psychic powers are very different. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They hmm. don't translate well to the film, but they definitely could have tra- been translated better. Basically, for the four boys, what it is, is they can kind of know things that they shouldn't know. That's basically their power. They pick up on stuff. Okay. And I guess it's vaguely mind reading, but rather than like I'm thinking something and you pick up on it, Mm -hmm. it's more like they just know things. Interesting. So I'm trying to think of a good example. During like the scene where Henry is in his office, right? Yeah. Uh, And he's talking to this patient who's describing like All the foods he likes to eat. Henry just, like, realizes that this guy killed his mom, essentially. Shit. Like, that just pops into his mind. That's kind of how it is. But their psychic powers have this more deeper theme going on. They call it seeing the line. Oh, interesting. I think that's what the movie tries to do with the weird spiral thing. Oh, okay. That uh, It's like a tunnel. But in the book, it's kind of a line. That's what they call it. They call it seeing the line. And it's basically, like, they can trigger themselves into a state where they see the line and they have to follow it. Interesting. It's hard for me to explain because like I said psychic powers Stephen King likes to do them a lot but they're they're never really explained in depth. It's more like pick up how they work from just from reading How it. people use them. Yeah. Beaver has the most straightforward not Beaver. Pete has the most straightforward use of his powers. In the book he does this thing where he I believe he taps the side of his head mm-hmm. with his uh one of his fingers. He doesn't do like this weird finger thing. And when he taps the side of his head, he like he can zone in and see the line and he can use it to like find things and figure things out like to work his way through a problem. That's kind of cool. Stuff like that. Again, it's a very subtle version of telepathy essentially. Yeah. But it's not. I think using telepathy as a way in the movie to explain it away is actually pretty good. Yeah, and I, I giving each one like their own individual version of, of the powers is also kind of okay. I don't know. I What I would say is it's an interesting way of handling the issue of powers that are very subtle and hard to translate into film. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily like all the stuff they did. I thought... Pete's use of the powers with the tunnel—I know you liked it. I thought it was very cheesy. Really? Yeah. Just because the powers are more subtle, and so making them seem over the top yeah, doesn't jive well movie? for me. I know but that's my thing. Like, in a book, that's totally, I get that. There's there's a lot more subtle ways to do than a giant force tunnel. Yeah, but only they can see it. Yeah, I know, but you could have done, like, a simple, like, line or something. A very spiral force tunnel is a very over-the-top sure. thing. But again, I, mental powers don't really translate well. Yeah, I, the only mental power that really translates well is, like, telekinesis, because, like, you can see it, right? That's yeah. A, that's, like, a physical thing. And so, like, well, I don't think they did a good job of translating them to the screen exactly i don't think the things they like the i don't think the choices they made were bad per se it's fair next thing i want to mention kind of the sayings they use ssdd same shit different day mm-hmm. we see it a lot through the film basically it's just the thing the guys say to each other a lot they yeah. started saying it when they were kids they taught it to Dudits, which he would say Dudits uh has like a, a lisp or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah, same shit different day so ssdd also you thought beave was really funny yeah he uses a lot of fuck me Freddy." he says a lot yeah which, it kind of irks me. In the movie, they say, fuck me, and then comma, Freddy. I don't yeah, know if you... Nah, it's that. one word. It's like a hyphenated thing. It's fuck me, Freddy. Interesting. Um, okay. But yeah, that's that's Beef's character. He he does a lot of... I think they call him, like, beef Where he says <laughs> he a bunch does. Of, He does. There's a bunch of them. Oh, he doesn't do, like... Fuckery, et- fuckaroo. He... But he doesn't use any of the ones he does in the book. Really? Not really. He does almost all of beeve's dialogue in the book. is super duper funny because he does like, he says these heinous things that are like colloquialisms that only Beaver uses. That's really good. Um, like Jesus Christ bananas. Yeah, he says that. Uh, or uh, uh, it, like it's colder than my balls on a buzzsaw. <laughs> like a bunch of weird stuff. And it, it's just a lot of fun. And I just wanted to mention that damn i'm trying to think of a way to break down all these book stuff and it's kind of hard for me Mm -hmm. i guess the way we can do this is let's start with the opening sure i found the opening to the movie very jarring really yeah it just opens up mid-scene and i guess what i'm trying to say is the book starts with like kind of this establishing stuff with characters sure the way the movie says like these people have psychic powers is so unsubtle i didn't like it really i thought it was really bad Hmm. Um, Interesting. Because, like, I guess, let's start with the opening scene. Uh, Henry's in his therapy office, mm-hmm. and the guy's talking about food. It's a very fat guy. And, you know, Henry comes out of nowhere, and he's like, do you think you killed your mother? And yeah. stuff like that. I didn't like that. Really? Because in the book... It's handled more, not subtly, but internally. Mm. Uh, Basically, in the scene, Henry starts following the line, and essentially he can't help himself because he's following the line. Interesting. Essentially, he's getting annoyed because the guy comes into his therapy office once a week because he has to. Mm -hmm. But he just talks about food the whole time, and Henry knows he's eating himself into his grave. But then... The stuff about the mom comes to his head about why he's eating himself in the grave. He can't control himself, and he does. I don't know. There's basically they all use their powers at one time, and you get to kind of see that in the beginning of the book. But yeah. it's a lot more. It feels less jarring. Like the movie felt like it was just screaming out, "They have psychic powers." I mean, it, but it, in the book, like I said, the the powers are more subtle, and they're closer to something like that could just be like a parlor trick, like the like Sherlock Holmes, where he's hyper observant. Mm-hmm. Like they feel closer to that. Where, like, as an outside observer, you could look at someone doing something and be like, oh, they're not psychic. They're just weirdly weird. Yeah, and when Pete finds the lady's keys in the the movie, he goes, I'm just lucky. Yeah. That's how he explains it. The book kind of plays it closer to that. Yeah. And I... I guess what I'm trying to say is it feels more natural in the book, and it just in the movie it felt very in-your-face in a way I didn't like. Yeah, I don't really know if there was a better way they could have done it. You know what I mean? I know. Especially with, like, how how you're describing the powers, I feel like it would be super, super difficult to translate that to a movie. <sighs> yeah, I I mean, I guess the point is, like, the subtle psychic powers that Stephen King likes to do Yeah. Don't necessarily translate well over. I just, the way they do powers in this movie are very in your face in a way that they don't necessarily have to be. Sure. I didn't think that worked very well. Next thing. You know how I mentioned some of the the deaths in the movie are kind of, what's the word I used? Like, the meaning? Yeah. (laughs) The deaths in the book are so much more graphic. Really? So much more graphic. Holy shit. They weren't really that graphic in the movie, though, to be honest. Yeah, they're not that graphic in the movie. They are. Graphic in the book. Really? Um, I don't want to get too much into spoilers because you might read it. And okay, before I go on, I think this is my big point versus the book and the movie. Sure. They had to condense down the stuff in the book a lot sure. to fit it into two hours. It's about 900 pages. And I think you're right. This could work maybe a lot better as a mini series. Yeah. Maybe two or three like, hour long movies or something. But they condensed stuff down a lot. They like stripped a bunch of dialogue out or they just changed it to condense it. And. That kind of takes a lot out of it. I could feel that in the movie. I'm going to be real. Yeah. And I could tell... Uh, watching it, I was getting kind of, like, not annoyed, but I was like, this is such... You, like, I would look at scenes and I'd be like, I know exactly what scene this is in the book, but you you stripped all the impact out of it. Like, it's so much worse.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: But I think that sh- that shows a lot in the deaths. Like, there's so much more, like, graphic detail in all the stuff. Like, that's body horror and death-wise. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in the book, I know I said it makes the bathroom scary and stuff. And, you know, that's kind of Stephen King's He's kind of said that's his idea. And you think that's kind of goofy. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of campy, right? Sure. Not campy at all in the book. Really? Oh my god, no. Here's my sell for the book. For anyone who's seen Alien, you know the the premise of Alien, right? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen Alien. Okay. Do you think the aliens are scary? Absolutely. Terrifying. What do you think is the, the scariest part of the alien? Just bursters. That's basically what the book is. Oh it's it's if, just, it, if this movie had been more of that, that's fucking terrifying. I know. The book the, Is it just bursting the out the of their weasels Are essentially more in depth versions of the chest bursters. It's like Stephen King took a chest burst and was like, let me expand on this part and make it more realistic. No. Um, no, 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 no. See, that would be fucking yeah, freaky, the, bro. The book is not like the psychic stuff makes it weird and bonkers in a way I like. Sure. But the actual, like, alien body horror stuff is horrifying. There's, like, no levity in this book. It is. It's brutal. It's heartbreaking. You say you like Beaver. Beaver's so much more likable in the book. And his death is so brutal. But getting back to the chestburster stuff. So in the movie, we see the guy's chest gets bigger. Yeah. And then his stomach gets bigger and he starts gassing and stuff. In the book, what ends up happening is he, he wanders into the house, and McCarthy's fucked up. Oh, shit. Um, like, besides the fact he looks pale and he's got this red stuff on his face. Yeah. When he walks into this house, his stomach's really, yeah. there's nothing about the chest. His stomach is very, very low Sure. And it comes out that he's filled with gas. Mm-hmm. And when he burps and farts, his stomach. Yeah. So rather than saying, like, Jonesy in the movie goes, his chest, like, the the stuff transferred to his stomach. Yeah. Like, the, the bump. In the book, it's more like, well, when he burped and everything, his stomach, which is really, really expanded, like, it had a huge beer belly, shrinks. Because rather than a, a creature moving from his chest to his stomach, it's just air. Mm-hmm. And the gas that comes out of him, they describe it smelling like ether, which if you don't know, they also describe it as like rotten bananas mixed with like lighter fuel. Ugh. I think it's implied it's the insides being munched on and like fermenting. Oh, yeah. That's foul, man. Um, <sighs> The book's a lot more gross. The the things when they burst out of people's asses, yeah, they don't just crawl out of the asshole. They burst a foot wide hole out of their rear because it's just the easiest way for them to burst out. A foot wide hole is torn into these people. Fuck that, dude. But if we had seen any of that, it's over for me. <sighs> We go to see it. I'm, I'm just going to describe a simple scene. I think you saw me listen to the scene in the while well, at work and my mouth just opened. <laughs> um, kind of spoiler for how Beaver dies. A lot more graphic in the book. And I'm just going to mention... The first thing that happens to him. I'm not even going to say all the stuff that happens to him before he dies. Sure. It's a lot, a lot more messy. So I think you saw in the movie the thing grabs onto his crotch. Yeah. In the book, it grabs onto Beaver's testicles so hard that he hears them pop. Oh! Yeah. Ah! The the book's a lot more brutal. Oh my god. They don't transfer that over either. And I, I guess that's kind of, you know, a thing. Like the alien massacre scene. Yeah. Dude, that is unpleasant because yeah, it's man. uncomfortable uh they they focus on the whole idea that the aliens are projecting like this these pleas Ye- oh god because yeah if that not, had been more i would they're have not lost projecting it. it into people's minds no they're sending out a signal to radio waves and stuff and it's the aliens are saying it's like three lines over and over please don't kill us we're harmless there's no infection here and they're saying it over and over on repeat in different people's voices who are specifically famous people of the time like presidents and movie stars and stuff like that they're saying it in English and then they'll say it in French oh. and they do it over and over and they've been doing it for like days since they crashed. holy shit and the other thing in the book is the reason they're freaking out it's cold and the aliens can't live in the cold oh makes sense Um, and so like it's just fucked up yeah so it's basically it focuses a lot on these humanoid things begging to not kill them and then Kurtz goes in and murders the shit out of them <laughs> because I think this is the fun thing to get into. Kurtz in the book, I like Morgan Freeman as an actor. Sure. I think he does great. I'm not sure if this was him getting poor direction or what, or how the character was written. He does not do a good job of portraying Kurtz. Really? So Colonel Abraham Curtis, the character in the movie, Sure. is called uh, Abraham Kurtz in the book. Does that name sound familiar? No. No? Abraham Kurtz is the, he's a character Mm -hmm. from a little book called Heart of Darkness. Oh shit! The guy who goes and yeah, I've sets read up the plantation of uh-huh. in Africa that they have to go yep. like extract. Yeah, that's Abraham Kurtz. It's yep. implied in the book that Abraham Kurtz is not this guy's real name. It's the name of all the soldiers who's worked with him. On <laughs> that this, they gave him that name. That they gave him that name because he's so similar to Abraham Kurtz from Heart of Darkness. That's fucking. Now, that that guy's tell a you monster. How insane this man is! Yeah, dude. Holy shit! Yeah, I've <sighs> not read Heart of Darkness since high school. You Abraham fucking, Kurtz. You gave me a flashback memory. And they actually changed the name from Kurtz to Curtis in the Mm -hmm. movie because they didn't want to confuse people. Sure. Yeah. Kurtz in the book. Oh, I'm sure he's an absolute monster. Oh, he's a monster. Hell, him and Owens, they're not friends. Interesting. Kurtz wants to put a fucking bullet in the back of Owens' head the whole book. Oh god. He's a madman. Like, absolutely mad. Uh, The scene where he shoots someone? Yeah. That happens. very... He shoots this guy in the foot, blasts off the full front half of his foot with a gun, not because he lies to him, but because um, the person in question uses a slur when referring to the aliens. Okay. Uh, Basically, in the book, they call them Gray Boys. Okay. And one of the people on base he hears apparently had called the Gray Boys a space N-word. Oh, shit.
1: Well that's not good.
0: And Kurtz doesn't like the lack of seriousness in that. And so shoots him in the foot. That's his punishment. All right. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. Like the whole mind stuff isn't exactly the same with mm, the warehouse. I don't know. It's a lot more serious than the book. It's a lot weirder. But I'd recommend it. I'd say go read it. I might actually read it. I'm kind of interested in how that that's not good. Movie. You can get it on Audible. I think it'd be a good audible book. <laughs> I actually have some credits on Audible. I've I been listening it. to it. I, that's how I read it. I listened yeah. to it. Very good audio book. Who reads um, it, do you know? I can tell you right now. I'm just curious because I, I always like to know who reads the books before I uh, listen because so, some people who read audiobooks are not very good. Jeffrey DeMunn. Okay. But it's an, it's an official, like, that's the licensed audiobook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty good. I guess, I don't know. I, I was getting kind of sidetracked with the book stuff because there's a lot I want to say, but that's not, like, the focus of this podcast. I mean, that's fair, but I really enjoy the uh, hearing what's different because... And also, I don't want to spoil too much, yeah. you know? I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, The book is a lot more serious. There's no levity to it. And also the weird batshit stuff is a lot more weird and batshit. Fair. I think the only thing I kind of skipped over is the Dreamcatcher stuff kind of makes a little bit more sense. I would hope so. However, the original title for the book was supposed to be Cancer. Huh. And Stephen King's wife told him, do not name it Cancer. That's such a bad name. And she's kind of right. Naming a book Cancer is super pretentious and not great. However, there is a ton of Cancer analogies in the book, and it's a lot more well-earned. Mm. In fact, my favorite one, I pulled up the quote. Does Duddits have leukemia in the book? Duddits does have leukemia, yes. Okay. I was just but curious. also, thing I want to mention, Duddits in the book has Down syndrome. Mm. Very odd that he's played by two people who do not have Down syndrome. Yeah. That was something I wanted. Especially because was... uh, he has a specific way of talking yep. that's a little um, uncomfy in some ways to hear from someone who- <sighs> Someone uh, who is definitely not, uh, doesn't actually have that issue. It, it's sort of, I didn't want to say it, but I it feels really bad. <laughs> Watching the yeah. movie because I was like, "That is, I don't know, unflattering in in a, but not in a, I don't know. It's just I like, I kind of get what they why yeah. they did it, but I don't like it. I don't like it either, um, especially because you know, Down syndrome. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm gonna close with fun line that uh, Kurt says. Oh, I God. think this is all right. One of those good examples of where the cancer analogy comes in sure uh it's kurt's giving a speech and he says because they are not helpless little et boys waiting around for someone to give them a new england telephone card so they can phone home they are disease they are cancer praise jesus and boys were one big hot radioactive shot of chemotherapy do you hear me boys damn yeah that's see hmm he's so much more intense yeah so much more intense. i can tell and i feel like morgan Freeman could have been more intense he As could an actor. have. And I'm not sure. If, I think it was the direction. I don't know if Morgan Freeman could have played the Kurtz from this well enough. Mm. Simply because I think Morgan Freeman has too much charisma. But he could have been more intense. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I got to say because that book has a lot to unpack. I think I hit some of the big things I wanted to say with the book versus the movie. Did you give it a rating? I don't remember. I'm going to do that right now. Okay. Because so, I'm really curious what you think having read the book and now seeing the movie. I cannot obviously remove myself from having read the book. Of course. Um, And also, I feel like if, and this is just me, if people who saw this movie were probably like, oh, this is a Stephen King book that I really like. I'm going to go watch the movie. They were probably so disappointed. I know Stephen King doesn't like this book, but this book was a bestseller. Yeah. Like, even if it's really weird and I don't think it's maybe necessarily one of his best written works, I think it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's probably up there for like my favorites from him just because of how bonkers it is, but it's, it's fun. You know, it's got yeah. that bonker stuff that I get from it, but also some Aliens? really cool body horror and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the fact that my self for it is, you know, chest bursters. It's basically that. Oh, God. A lot of fun. Dude, this movie's so disappointing. Yeah. Like, I threw this movie on here because I had heard about this book, and I wanted an excuse to kind of read it and stuff. Had you seen this before? I think I saw parts of it when I was really, really young, mm-hmm. uh, but this was, like, my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Since then, but very disappointing. I I could, I had heard it was yeah. a bad. Bob, it's such a bad adaptation. I can tell. I can tell based on your the looks on your face while we were watching it. Oh, but also like I could just tell that, like I like I said when we started when you asked me what I thought of this movie for the spoilers. It needs to be spread out because but there's like, so much stuff missing. The way some of the characters behave or how they the whole movie felt really cheesy to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's because there's some depth missing, but it just felt really cheesy. It's a a very surface-level movie. I cringed every time Henry said anything. Really? Because of how serious he is. He just feels so cringy. Um, That's fair. I want to talk about things. But I don't want to spoil parts of the book for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, the distance between the car accident and the cabin, how far do you think that was? Well, I mean, Henry walked there in less than a day. Yeah. Probably a couple miles. How many you think? I don't know. Five, ten miles? It's ten. It's not less than a day. He has to run there. He runs for about a couple hours because of how far it is. God damn. And it's like the end of the day. The sun's going down. He's hurting that accident real bad. His leg's fucked up. Really? The reason he falls on those skis is a because he hasn't skied in a while. The skills are rusted, they're half broken. His leg is <laughs> fucked up. Um uh, but also because at that point in the movie, Henry's basically mad. Um uh- <laughs> Really? Holy shit. Yeah, Henry's uh, super suicidal I mean, before, yeah, the, that's, movie uh, <laughs> that's before the movie starts. They're very unsubtle about it in the, yeah. the book or in the movie. He's very funny about his suicide because <laughs> he's not like I'm pulling putting a gun to my head in the yeah. book. He's like, I haven't decided how I want to kill myself yet, but I'm going to do it. Interesting. Uh, but like, part of the reason I didn't like how serious he was because- is because by the point in the book he's at when he's on those skis yeah henry's lost it he is in he's mad completely mad like huh. he says some funny shit because he is off his off his rocker i'm going to give you one funny line because I don't want to spoil things Sure. for you because I think you're going to read the I'm book. Gonna, I'm probably going to read it. And for anyone who else is going to read the book. Basically, all the characters in this have nicknames. Yeah. I mean, Beaver, that's not his real name. Well, yeah. But he's Beaver. Jonesy is Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Pete doesn't really have a nickname. But his I whole name refer is to Peter, but big on Pete. Pete. I refer to him as Spaceman Pete because he wanted to be an astronaut, and that okay. does come up. A couple characters, though, after he goes mad, refer to Henry as the Eggman. what yeah uh because he starts singing i am walrus for no reason jesus christ (laughs) He is fucking And it mad. also is after he starts stomping the eggs and shit. Oh, okay. Very, very fucking funny. Um, and so he eventually, not even going to say it, but yeah, line delivery, it felt very cheesy. I think Henry is the worst example of it where he just came off as overly serious. He was super a, serious. But in a very cheesy, like, I'm an action hero kind of way. Yeah, and it didn't really fit. It kind of clashed with the rest um, of it. Yeah, and I just felt like the movie lost a lot of depth. They took out a lot of the stuff that I think made scenes more impactful, like with the aliens. Like they barely. Had the whole like projection stuff going on Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is very bad adaptation of the book so my rating here see you're gonna bomb it aren't you it's it's real low Bob I know I I rated this without having read the book but also as a fan of weird movies (laughs) and this movie's fucking weird and so I think I'm gonna Rate it Mm -hmm. not based on like did this movie do what it set out to do but like for me this is an adaptation yep so when I rate adaptations I have to go did this movie do a good job as an adaptation (laughs) one damn first one on this fucking show I I don't even want to say one and a half no yeah I I know you you know what I'm close because like I think some of the creature stuff is okay. Yeah, Like, the CGI and stuff is fine. CGI stuff's fine. I think the creatures are actually kind of scary. I'm going to say one. It's it's a practical. The worms are good, too. Like, whenever you actually see them die, and it's not CGI, and they're actually physical, it's fine. They're okay, but... Yeah. No, I I didn't didn't like, like the movie. That's completely fair, and I... Having not read the book and having none of the uh, perspective that you have, I probably would also give it a one if I read the book because I can see how fucking bad this movie is. The only reason I give it a three is because I think there are some things that are pretty okay about it and I don't hate it. Yeah, so I was very interested to hear yours. Like, I haven't read the book, so you're like, thought process isn't tainted, but yeah, a one. I didn't hate it, honestly, not having read the book, but I could see how, and definitely it could be a lot better. But yeah, I'm going to go with the one. So I don't know if I'd recommend this. <laughs> I mean, like, go with Bob's recommendation here for this film. Yeah. As someone who's read the book, it was cool seeing it on film. Yeah, but that's it's just, true. it's such a bad. That's fair. Oh, I, I forgot a recommendation earlier. I'm going to throw this on here oh, now. Okay. If you're a fan of, like, action movies, like action sci fi, like, in, I even said it, this movie feels like Independence Day at some point. When Curtis and those people are blowing up the aliens and shit, I'm like, this is Independence Day. Ah, so the book, and I guess in some ways, the movie has been compared to Stephen King's version of War of the Worlds. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, pretty, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good that yeah, that's a yeah. Okay, so makes um, sense. You say you like how the shit weasels are. Yeah. So. The reason they, uh, Curtis calls them shit weasels in the movie, right? Yeah. Is because in the book, they're described as basically looking like weasels without arms or legs, but like a mouth on their bottom. Do you want to see someone? Uh, I found a picture someone drew. Oh, it's probably so much one scarier. One of the weasels, but it's like a more book accurate description. Sure. I'll look at it. Here, I'll move over here so I can look. Oh, that's pretty accurate to what they look like in the book or in the movie. I mean, I guess, but they look less like turds. Yeah, they look really like turds in the movie. Uh, they're also described as like being, they might have hair, but they have like <sighs> a layer of sl- Slime over them. Yeah. They are slimy little creatures. What's some other stuff that's scary in the book? Oh, the Ripley fungus? Yeah. That stuff's no, no bueno. There's so much worse in the book. Apparently, because we're in Pete's head after he gets infected. Yeah. He can actively feel it eating him. Because Ooh. it eats you. Because it's like a fungus that eats you. So it's like a fuzzy, it looks like black mold, but it's yeah. red. Yeah, it's, it's eating you. Anyone who's infected, there's no way you're living. Oh, that sucks. Uh, also, kind of a spoiler when uh Mr. Gray yeah starts fucking killing Pete? Oh, killing Pete, yeah. You know how he's actually doing that? Cuz they don't explain it in the movie, but they do explain it in the book. Oh, is he controlling the fungus? Yeah. So the fungus at that point is all over Pete's face and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. He's causing it to constrict and crush him. That's brutal, bro. Yeah. I mean, because it looks like he's force choking Vader style. Oh, that's eventually how Pete dies. Oh. Oh! He crushes him with it. Yeah. That's brutal. Instead of biting his head off, which I think is a lot more brutal. Way, um, br- way worse. But yeah. Adaptation, I'm going to give it a one. as That's my movie review. A one. I put it on the board because I thought it would be a good board episode. It is a good board episode. Board, good board episode. We got we got some content out of this. Um, I think that's all I got. Yeah, I think that's all I got too. This um, movie's a fucking strange one. Mm-hmm. Oh. One more? One more thing, but we're going to go to our outtakes first, and then I'm going to mention it on the end of the podcast. Oh, shit, okay. I guess we'll see you in a minute. Yeah. Bye. Hello everyone, welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Dreamcatcher so far. I know Ben didn't like it that much. I thought it was fine as a movie, but once again, I haven't read the book, I don't have the context to give it sort of a deeper analysis like he does. Without further ado, let's get into the first outtake for this episode. This first outtake is our reaction, well at least mine, (laughs) to watching Jonesy get absolutely annihilated by a car. Holy shit! Oh my god, what the fuck? Is he dead? This next clip is Ben and I discussing why I enjoyed the parts of the movie where the characters are children a lot more. I was hoping we can have more kid stuff. I like them more as children. You don't like them as disheartened adults? No. It makes me sad. <laughs> what about the scene where one of them tried to shoot himself? <laughs> yeah. Relatable content. I'm, I'm clipping that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Boop. I'm not going to clip it. You don't it, have I'm... to put it in, but I think it's a funny <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. This next clip is a small jump scare as Pete and Henry approach the woman that caused them to flip their car. At first, she seems like she's frozen to death. And then, well, she moves. Hello? Oh! This next clip is my reaction to Jonesy and Beeb finding McCarthy dead on the shitter. Oh! Jonesy, if he can still do that, he must be alive! I mean, come on! Oh, shit, he is! He just got the big I heard it! I don't think if he was just right, that's enough, fella. Step out of it! Oh! 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 oh. Flush it, idiot! This next clip is my reaction to watching Beaver get absolutely annihilated by a shit weasel. Oh! Ah! Oh my god, that thing looks nuts! This next clip is my reaction to seeing Mr. Gray for the very first time. Ugh. I don't... I don't like how this worm thing looks, man. Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Guess what, Bob? It's your favorite. (laughs) What the hell? Hi everybody! I hope you enjoyed the outtakes for this episode. I don't know how many we really got. There were a couple. It was I maybe seven, (laughs) maybe 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 seven, and I probably didn't include all seven of them. (laughs) Um, movie wasn't scary. I didn't have a lot to say during the movie. I was just kind of sitting here enjoying it. Are you glad we watched it? Yeah, actually, genuinely. Like, I it's not an amazing movie, but I'm glad we watched it because it's weird. I mean, it was the first one for me. It's yeah, exactly. I like it when we do bad, like which I feel bad about because. I really liked the book. That that's how I felt when we watched the Taking of Deborah Logan. I, I thought that movie was really cool, but it just I couldn't give it a good rating. <laughs> um, all right, Bob. I said I was going to say something before the yeah updates. yeah 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 yeah. Well, you got to say Benjamin. I mentioned this at work to you the other day, a while ago. Yeah. Do you want to have a um a mascot for the podcast? Because can we do a shit weasel? <laughs> <laughs> you want to use the fucking shit weasels for yes. a mascot for the podcast? I think they're so cool. Okay, what if we use just Mr. Gray, like the big ones? No. No, come on. Because one of the weasels gets named in the book and Does it's it? the funniest name. What's yeah. it called? Are you sure you want me to tell you now? Are you gonna read it? I'm gonna read it. Do you want me to tell you now? Because it's very funny. Well, if we're gonna use it for mascot, I have to uh, know. Okay. Jonesy names it. Okay. Bowser. <laughs> Which one is he does he name one random one Bowser? Just one random one? Oh, no. So the way they do like the stuff in Jonesy's head is very different. Yeah. Jonesy has a straight up conversation with Mr. Gray while he's in his head. Oh. And Mr. Gray has a pet worm that he's petting like he's a like it's a cat. Oh my god. And, like, like he's Doctor Evil. Yep. Awesome. That's actually and he calls it Bowser. And uh, Jonesy names it Bowser. Okay. I'll I'll consider Bowser as a possible mascot for the podcast. Uh, Do we have any other announcements, Ben? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, in that case, check us out on Twitter, at Beware the Board. It's where I post everything about the show, episode updates, polls if we have them. Basically, if you want to know anything about this podcast, look at our Twitter, at Beware the Board. Follow us on there to keep updated. Yeah. If you're listening to this on YouTube, give us a like, uh, some comments, um... You know, bring that notification bell. But whatever you do, don't hit that subscribe button. It's red. It's infected probably. Oh, no, it's covered. No, the Ripley fungus. You don't want to touch it. There's probably going to be a worm coming out of it soon. So leave it alone. Or if you're really dedicated, just, like, quickly hit the white part. Yeah, do something. If you have any recommendations for the random category of the board, please leave them in the comments. We need your recommendations to formulate the pool at the moment. We haven't really decided or told you all how we're going to figure it out, but we're going to figure it out. We are coming up on the next board, which is very exciting for me personally. You got two movies left. Two movies left, baby. Or two spots left. Well, yeah, two spots. Could be more than one movie. There's we six don't know. movies left, Bob. That would be heinous. That's like a crime. Honestly, after the first board, I'm so glad we haven't had like 16 movies in a row because that was rough, man. Uh, if you have any recommendations for movies you think we should watch on the show that you think are scary and or interesting, leave those in the comments too so Ben can look into them and maybe we'll watch it. Maybe we won't find out. We will be on everywhere you get your podcast soon hopefully we're not on there yet but we have gotten more art updates we're working on it we we'll, whenever we get onto spotify or whatever wherever you get your podcast i will let you know and who knows maybe by the time this episode comes out it'll be out it'll already things. be out we don't know <laughs> we will see but i think that wraps it up benjamin that should be it so i guess we'll see you next week everybody and remember always beware the board.